Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Burning Barrel Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that will not take your money through gambling skins. I am your host, Paul, and with me is Hank. Oh my god, we're live. We are live. We've been live for a bit now, talking about streaming shit, which is ironic because we were streaming that talk. But, yeah, whatever. Topical, Thanks. though. That's yes go thing, man. Holy fuck. That's... Holy fuck, is that a shit show? <laughs> uh, like, I watched um Jim Sterling's video on it today, and I like that just because he put in clips of, like, the act of those guys streaming, because he will just include videos and stuff, and seeing the, yeah. the fucking apology video one of those guys did, just seeing fucking clips of it. Oh, my God. Oh, I watched that video. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Holy shit. Did you happen to notice in that video how he, like, is showing off basically his giant mansion, and in the background you can see, like, this, like, new truck perfectly placed in the window, the, like, (laughs) doors, and, like, I don't know. It's weird, man. It is so fucking weird. But for anybody who doesn't know what's happening, basically... Oh, how do you even start this? First of all, go watch H3H3's video on it. This is yeah. the one that everybody's giving credit to. Even though he's not the one that really found out like the important stuff, he is the one with the viewer base that was able to spread that important stuff. So yeah. I would recommend going to check. I can't actually remember the guy who like busted this shit open. He, he makes mention of him in his video, so mm-hmm. it's all good. But basically, CSGO has skins or whatever for your guns, that are worth monetary value because you can trade them in the Steam community market for real money. And there have been, as long as like I can remember, since CSGO was even a thing, there's been a way to be able to basically sell them or trade them like to weird sites. Mm-hmm. And this is something I kind of wish like we could get Spart to say some stuff on because he was in that market for a while there. Yeah. But, um, Basically, some YouTubers slash streamers that are super big used their influence to gain attention to their CS Lotto or whatever fucking site they run by being like, hey, look, I found this site. It's cool. You can just, like, gamble away your skins or whatever and make some money. It's really easy and neat and stuff. Uh When in reality, like, they could just, you know, behind the scenes fix it so that they always win. Uh, even if they don't do that though, like this is something not many people seem to even pick up on, but it doesn't matter if, if they rig it in the background because you could just show your winnings. And even if you showed a thousand losses, it's just going back into your bank account anyway, because you own the site. (laughs) So yeah, whatever. Anyways, scummy people being scummy. Uh, there's a lot more people talking about it that more in depth. I suggest you go check that out if you want to. I'm just here to say that I've never liked those two guys and I think they should be thrown in a fire. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing of the place where it starts is already fucked up where they're like got an audience of teenagers and they're going and encouraging them to gamble. Like even that part of it's completely fucked. Yeah. Yeah. And then and, the fact that they just they also own the thing means they're just complete scumbags, but they were already really bad. Yeah. And like 
they know their demographic, man. There's not a single person because of the analytics on Google for like YouTube, especially and Twitch and stuff like that. There's not a person who does that full time that doesn't know who they appeal to. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but like, say I say I wanted to do something like this, right? I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna scam the internet. I'm gonna fuck over my whole fan base and get some money out of them. Mm-hmm. I look at my numbers. I'm like, oh. This is really crummy to do to, like, 12-year-olds. Like, how does that not even happen? I mean, because they don't give a shit. Because <laughs> they're terrible right. people who fucking, I don't know, they're just pieces of shit. Like, there's, they, like, they don't have that moral, co- like, hid in their voice that tells them don't do this. Yeah. They just want the money. Uh, it's just so fucking fucked. So fucked. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I've I've never had that part of me that's, like, super into gambling. Like, I've gambled a little bit, but I had, like, one of my best friends as a kid super had the gambling thing. Oh, really? Like, and if this had been around back then, you <laughs> like, he would have thrown away a lot. Like, yeah, that would have been real bad for him. So I can like totally imagine how fucking bad this is for some some kids and some people who have who are susceptible to that stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I like how do how are these kids even getting this money? Do we have any idea? I mean, are they from parents? Is it their allowance? Like, are kids just getting this much money these days? I'm sure kids are are getting money from their parents. So a kid saving up like his five or, to ten dollar allowance, like, yeah, and yeah. like spending it on like a sixty dollar skin, and like just the fact that so many people do this, they lose like hundreds of thousands of dollars basically to these douchebags. Yeah, or they fucking steal their parents' credit card or something. That's fucked up, man. I mean, fucking G2A is sponsoring Twitch streamers all over the place, and that company is fucking run on people stealing credit cards, buying keys, and then selling them. Oh, yeah, that was a whole nother thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Man. And there are big streamers sponsored by G2A. Yeah. It's super, super disheartening, man, to think about. But I mean, a lot of this like stuff is just fucking law is so fucking slow to catch up to the internet in so many yeah. ways. Yeah, it's true. Like, cause that's the other like the crazy thing about the CS:GO gambling stuff. Like, it's unregulated gambling because it's not real cash transactions, even though they're items that are worth money. Because the law is hasn't caught up to that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's fucked. It's fucked. It is super fucked. But yeah, I mean, there's more fucked up things going on in the world today. Oh fuck, dude! Recently, but I like, don't even want Fucking oh my god. Yeah, but we bums don't need me to get into that. They bum me out. Yep. It's a it bummer. did bring it did bring something up to my attention though. Like, okay. Look, I'm just going to say, like, what we're talking about is there was a basically mass shooting of police in uh, Dallas tonight. Yeah. Because there's been stories going around about police shooting minorities or whatever. But um, 
This is something that has been happening forever. It's just that social media has made it a worldwide thing now. Yep. <laughs> and it's kind of gross <laughs> in a way. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I didn't need to know that a bunch of cops were, like, gunned down in retaliation for some other dipshit cops somewhere shooting a bunch of black people. Like, that... That's just bumming me out, man. <laughs> That's really not cool stuff to talk about. I but, mean, yeah, it needs to get out there so that stuff can change. But like, oh, for sure, there's there's definitely a point where you have to fucking like understand yourself and be able to tune out what you need to tune out, just because you can't fucking like you can't take that stuff all the time. Yeah. Like fuck. Yeah. I can't. I. <sighs> Like the, there's a lot of the thing. Big thing is with this stuff. There's video out there of people dying. And it's fuck. Yeah, it's it's a bad time right now. This week has been real shitty for news. Yeah, it's been real bad. Yeah. Well, like again, I'm, I kind of steal myself to a lot of that stuff, but it got to me this week. It was just so much. It's just been so much of it. Like, yeah. everywhere I looked this week, it just seemed to be shit. <laughs> yeah, and oh, I watched man. the first couple minutes of the, the video of the woman who was, like, talking about it, like, as her boyfriend was right next to her in the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that was fucked up. Yeah. It was fucked up. I didn't watch very much of it, but... Bad times. Fuck. So, video games. Yeah, anyways, let's not talk about that shit, because, I mean, let's be honest, everybody else is. <laughs> the video game yeah. thing, the CSGO thing, was a bummer. But, you know what? If, at the end of the day, the bad news in video games is douchebags were being douchebags, and they're being exposed now, in a way, it's kind of a good thing. Yep. Kind of... Kind of a nice reminder that, like, even though you might look up to somebody or even think somebody's your friend on the internet because you've, like, listened to them talk for hours upon end or, like, watched them play video games for hours upon end or whatever, mm-hmm. that they're still probably douchebags in, in the end. Yeah. Or you shouldn't trust them, at least. Separate. But, you got to separate fucking art from human beings, even if that art is fucking streaming, I guess. Yeah, like I mean, let's not get crazy here. <laughs> Calling the streaming arts an art. I look art general, just fucking making something, doing a thing. Sure, sure. Most general. Either way, let's talk about some video games. Video games. It's been a while since we did one of these. I mean, you were on TDP a couple yes. weeks back. Last week. Uh, two weeks because two weeks. we didn't do one last two weeks. week. Okay, two weeks. So if, like, for what happened that week, basically, you could go listen to TDP at uh, Top Down Perspective at podbean.com or whatever. And Hank was part of that, so there's some more up-to-date stuff there. We're going to be doing kind of a backlog here coming up to recent, so. Yeah, we haven't really done a thing since the Warcraft movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Warcraft movie came out. That was big. We talked about that for a while, and more so than just the movie, we talked a lot about, like, 
the game because we always fucking end up talking about the game. It's hard to not talk about that game when it takes up like a third of your life. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I I have those like I feel the fucking cravings and yep. the fucking legion coming out soon. Yep, me too. Is a, that game is lurking over the back end of this year. Especially with like with Legion how they were saying they're going to go back to a more like social thing where you're going to have a hub city. That's huge. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. That's what I hated about Draenor. Honestly, the thing they do to get people back into Warcraft and back into that like feeling like it's a cool game again is stop all this fucking insta-queuing, weird teleporting to a dungeon thing with random people. Make people talk and chat again. Make them, like, hook up to do a quest and shit. I mean, that was what made Warcraft a fucking dangerous addiction, was because it, like, tied into all your friends you were hanging out with all the time, too. Yeah, but... It was I like want... being a social drinker. I want my addiction back. <laughs> <laughs> I want... Like I like that game. It's it's like there's just a feeling of running around the world in that game that like a lot of times when I'm looking for something to play, I realize, "Oh, that's the thing I want to do." I literally just kind of want to play WoW and run around in a circle because I yeah. like how that feels. Yo, in Burning <laughs> Crusade, when you got to uh Oh my god, I can't even remember the name of the main city there. Shatrath. Shatrath. The thing you would do is go in the middle on your mount and run around in a circle. That's what you would do. So, we need that back, basically. This this conversation makes absolutely no sense for, like, <laughs> stuff that's actually out. Because I haven't even been playing WoW. Yeah, me either. I'm not subscribed right now. Yeah. Oh, well, I am, but... <laughs> I Last just... time I played, I leveled, like, a twink to a 19, I think, and then did some battlegrounds with it. That's pretty fun. What did you level? I fucking don't even remember. Probably a death knight. You can't level a death knight to 19. That's not a thing. It was probably a death knight. <laughs> God damn it. Anyways... Let's talk about games we've been doing, all catching right. up on, and all that sort of stuff. I'm going to start by talking about Stellaris. Okay. So this is um, it's basically like a, like it's a sort of four, it's technically a four X game. It's 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 like Civilization sort of kind of game, but in space. It's made by Paradox Interactive. Like they and they make a bunch of they do a weird thing where they have like games that go out like throughout history, like so they have like Crusader Kings and Europa Universalis and Hearts of Iron. And the crazy thing about their games is actually they have functionality for if you play through one game throughout history, you can then load that file into the next game that like goes up in time that has whole different mechanics, like. Their, their shit is deep and weird. But Solaris is just like the fucking futuristic space alien stuff. Does that and, make it less engaging, though? In a way? I mean, I th only fucking like the crazy hardcore people really do that because oh. those games like play differently. And the only one I've really yeah, yeah. read about as 
people really liking before this was uh, Crusader Kings 2. And a lot of that right. is because that game focuses on like individual people. And then it's about like the stories you make with them, like fucking uh, having like heirs that try to assassinate you and banishing people. Like that game is much more about character interaction and making stories that way. Oh, okay. Whereas, like, the, if you get to like the World War World War game, like it's just a war game. So that sounds less interesting. So this one, the th- I'm just going to talk about like what I did in Stellaris because that that's like the way that I, I think this game actually sounds interesting. It's kind of it's okay. standard what you would think about for a like a big turn-based uh, sort of space set sure. game like that. So I made the human empire where my people were all like these weird, they sort of looked like um, genital lice, but they all, they, they were, they all called themselves humans. So they all had superhuman names and they were, and I made them super Zionistic and also pacifists. So when I started exploring the universe, as soon as I found alien life, my civilization freaked the fuck out. They were not happy that aliens existed. They didn't want to know aliens were around, but they were also weren't into fighting. So we had sort of a, a internal conflict, which created then an event happened that a large portion of my civilization fucking snapped became pirates just wanted to kill everyone and they suddenly Weird. had a military stronger than mine and wiped out my military that's weird. that was that was the thing that happened to me in solaris so that game huh. has interesting things to it where if you that like the 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 What's cool about I really really like about it is the the generation of your civilization stuff like the the creation tools are really cool in terms of like picking governments and like ideology stuff mm-hmm. where you get like Mm-mm. you pick like so like if you pick certain things you're like if you're fuck, if you're super into certain kinds of commerce you're like way more interested in way more okay with slavery if you're like all about utilitarianism or something. There, there's a, just a bunch of weird things and interconnected systems that work in weird ways. And if you make conflicting things within yourself, weird things will happen. Hmm. So that's cool. And then there's a bunch of diplomacy stuff. Apparently, the problem with that game is apparently the mid-game isn't great. But those Paradox is good about like supporting their games. And like all their games have like a shit ton of DLC and stuff. For so, sure. So, so at some point, they'll, they'll figure out the mid-game. But also, I've heard stories about like they're late in the tech tree. You can start taking techs that have like downsides that can happen, like risks. And there was like a, a person's game where suddenly someone in the universe, not them, had created AI, and that AI like suddenly took over three fourths of the map super quickly. <laughs> and that was a thing they were going to have to deal with. Hmm. It was a fucking AI outbreak that was wiping out most of the galaxy. That's so pretty cool. There's just weird late game stuff that can happen. There's just interesting systems. Like I've only scratched the surface of it myself. Yeah. But um, it seems neat for one of those games. 
Uh, Vision of Chaos is saying, does this strategy take uh, take game take forever like Civ? Because strategy yep. games are fun, but they take way too much time. Yup. That's why okay. I haven't played more of it. It fucking takes forever. <laughs> and also to answer his question, wasn't there a Civ space game? There was. It's called Beyond Earth. Yeah, that's like still on planet though. And it's mostly just like a skin of Civ from what I understand. Yeah. This I think is that's like the closest they got, though. Yeah, there's uh, it's the Alpha Centauri is like the classic one, which people seem to like much better. But that game's pretty old, right? Yeah. Also, that was uh, Firaxis, and this yeah. is Paradox. Yeah, this is Paradox. Paradox being known for having the games that they actually like. Oh man, when they show off a new game to like. YouTubers, streamers, media people, or whatever—they actually handpick people to fly out that they know will understand how to play already. Yeah, and then they still teach them how to play. <laughs> yeah, like their games are very intense in the stuff you can do in they're them. They're very intense, but they're they're and they're they know their audience and they yeah like for sure workshop support like they the people that PC, are they're good in PC developers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Stellaris sounds fun for like yeah. people. Again, the thing, the reason why I don't get into Civ games or like Paradox games is because, as it stands, I don't feel like I have enough time to complete everything I want to do. Yeah. So I just will never actually even start them. Uh -huh. If in one of these games. Yeah, I think the really cool thing about those those kind of games when they work well, which I actually don't think Civ is great at, is um. You start like building stories about what happens because what happens, like the interactions you have with the AI and that the AI have with each other, and of like building up your own race, like the role playing stuff of it. Uh -huh. When that stuff, when those games are really good to me, is like is when that stuff's super good. Like my favorite piece of like writing about video game is like a long fucking journal just about a game of uh, Galactic Civilizations Two, which is a pretty similar game to this. Mm -hmm. And that was it was that was written by the guy who went on to when he worked for PC Gamer, the guy who went on to make uh what was it? Fucking Gun something. I forget that indie game indie game at the moment. Yeah. Oh, well. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know it's a game you don't you're not super into, but like that his his PC gamer writing was really good. Like when you're writing mm -hmm. when it's the game's about creating stories so if you're into that kind of thing in terms of playing games and like making stories and having cool stuff happen and like into role-playing your civilization a certain way those games are super good and this seems sure. to be a good one of those sure uh moving on what else do we have here uh next up is tokyo mirage sessions sharp fe yeah hashtag fe gotta get that hashtag in if you're going to be hashtag. talking about this game, you got to hashtag it on Twitter. I mean, it's not a hashtag, but it's a hashtag. Join the conversation. It's a musical yep. note. Yeah. Because this game is based around Japanese pop music. It is, yeah. To a large extent. I've been playing this as well, actually. I picked it up, and I started it. And uh, this is a game I'm not going to be streaming. Because, mm -hmm. for one thing, it's too new. For this type of game, people just want to play through it and see the story themselves, which is totally fair. Yep, and it's not fun to watch 
in that regard either because it, like there's not enough people out there that know enough that they're like okay we're gonna like sit through this again and like see somebody play it fresh sort of thing mm-hmm. so i've been playing it a little bit off air and to myself i think the game is super good yeah. <laughs> i like it a lot actually it's fucking dope i i will say also I would say why it might not be a great stream game is the dungeons get fucking long. Sure. They're fucking there's there's just a lot to them and they're they're involved but not in like an interesting way, just in like this this takes a while. These are dungeon crawls. And the game is primarily a dungeon crawler, like in a way yeah. that even Persona four isn't. It's way oh, more yeah, focused no. around that stuff. I've already noticed that for sure, but it feels fun doing it still. Yeah, yeah, dude. The the combat's really cool. Um, I like their their changes to that combat system compared to something Persona make are all like sort of in the name of making the game a little more dynamic in terms yeah. of like just presentation stuff. Like in like when you hit a weak attack, instead of just getting a follow up chance, there's a whole system built around your other characters doing automatic follow up attacks of yep. different types, and that stuff stacks and just looks fucking rad. It's so cool. It's like that feeling you get in Persona 4 where it's like, hey, they're all down, let's go, and you all pile in. Yeah. It's like like that every time. Every time you hit an attack against the weakness. It's fucking incredible. And And then they're fucking... The really cool thing is they eventually get like ad-lib attacks, which are just fucking random, but built around specific moments from side quests. So they like do the performance from the side quest you did. Like that's it's pretty fuck- cool. And it's fucking dope. Like I did, like there's a side quest where fucking character got a part as a villain on a power Rangers, like stage show thing for kids. So when you, that ablib pops out, he just fucking busts out that costume and just fucking rushes. And fucking that's animates. really good. That's or you really get one, good. get one that was, a. Uh, a performance of a song and then the character like puts in goes into that outfit and literally starts singing that song from that moment in the game. Yeah. Like that that's really fucking good. dope as yeah. shit. It's anime. The game as vision chaos of chaos says is like the most apt description for how that game starts and plays. He has real fucking anime. It's super colorful. Yeah. It's super colorful. I really like how it looks. It yeah. is a beautiful fucking game. <laughs> it looks it looks really good. Yeah. And I for fucking... once, I'm excited to be on the train with everyone else uh-huh. at the same time. Because it's yeah. like, well, everybody has played Persona 4, and I'm just, like, catching up here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Here is, like, we can just talk. About, like, we'll play a little bit more and then maybe do a spoiler cast once we're closer to an end or something. Yeah. I also like that this game, like, you get to... Just whenever a character gets a new outfit, you can keep. There's a way to buy that outfit and just have them dressed as that and during battles. Yeah, which is in in Persona Four Golden, basically. Like that's most uh, most of the costumes they added to that game are stuff from the story, although they also have additional ones too. Yeah, so, but it's just cool to play an RPG fresh that has that stuff. Sure, I think like this is a niche problem for me only. Yeah. The biggest problem I'm having with this game right now is that since I'm playing Persona 4 as like my try to be like weekly stream game for hours at a time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost too much of this RPG type. 
you know? Of, like, that battle type? No, of just, like, this, like, of, at- let's be it real, of Atlas. Of it's Atlas, too much, yeah. It's too much Atlas at one time. Whereas, I mean, like, I will, yeah, mm-hmm. I will say the story in uh, this is much weaker compared to Persona 4, which is, like, yeah. my favorite story, but not, and not just in terms of, like, how it's written it's also like in terms of, of like how it's paced out how it's um like the overarching story it's just not as strong it's much it's not as like focused but it is much lighter sure so there, there's that advantage i kind of like that there's silly parts yep. yeah but yeah. like for somebody like you like if i was in your position right now i'd be more stoked than i am right now on this game mm-hmm. because I, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but for you, it's kind of like, well, like, I played Persona games, I like these games or whatever. This is holding me over perfectly until Persona 5. And yeah, then that's I'll pretty get much, more of it. This is pretty much like, this, I really want Persona 5. This isn't Persona 5. Persona 5 looks fucking incredible in terms of presentation. Like, I think it actually looks better than this game. But sure. this game's really good. This it's is really cool, and I also because I'm a Fire Emblem fan. Yeah, I get you a have bunch that of Those those Fire Emblem hits, like just like the level up sound, is the same from Fire Emblem. They're just little little touches that I like. Yeah, this is the paladin to though. the Overwatch that Persona Five will be. Pretty much, <laughs> it's just kind of like it's Although, better than that, but it's holding you over. This game did have a side quest about getting my boss hangover medication, so it's pretty good. Sure. Pretty good. So we can both recommend this game. Yeah, it's if you have a Wii U and you like RPGs, this is fucking buy this game or you already own it. Specifically, like if you like Atlas RPGs. Yeah. (laughs) It's a Yokai Watch the Pokemon. It's much better than that. Yeah, this game fucking plays great. It's almost like the weird spin-off Pokemon to mainline Pokemon. I think that's a more apt comparison. Where like Persona 5 would be the main Pokemon. This is like yes, the weird spin-off. Cuz that's the thing. It still plays a like uh a lot like a Persona game. Like the yeah. combat is very similar. It's yeah. just different. This is cleaner in a way. Well, it's I, like a much newer game. Persona like 4 it. is well, fucking yeah. old. Persona 4 yeah, is like eight sure. years old. I really like I really like the idea that the final boss battle in this game will probably be all of my characters chaining attacks forever. <laughs> <laughs> and it's gonna be like so dope to just see them go fucking ham on a dude. Yeah. Yeah, the the parts where you also like really remember this is an Atlas game is like the fucking monster designs are all yeah. super like fucked up and weird and cool. Yep. Boss designs so far I've seen are fucking rad. Yep. Yep, yep. Yeah. The and I just love really this good. fucking spirit of it. It's like just fucking about being awesome. <laughs> it's like about your yeah. characters just fucking performing and being fucking like believing in themselves and fucking like it's so cheesy and joy joyous it's great oh i guess another niche problem when i was trying to stream it a lot of like important stuff happens on the gamepad yeah like to forward the story you're like getting text messages all the time basically 
So that was kind of like bad, where it's like, oh, I guess I'm just going to read this text message out now. It's kind of weird, yeah. even though you don't see it. Yeah, I was playing the beginning of the game with a friend over. Yeah, watching me play it, so I had to like show him the gamepad every time that happened. Yep. Yeah, game is real good. I yep. I suggest people pick it up if you like that type of thing. Yeah, it can get. I'm glad it. This game also. Oh, I like that it. You can save at any time, literally, basically. Yeah, out, me too. Outside of battle, but I I did have a point where. I fucked up and lost like an hour of dungeoning. Yeah, that, that's that kind sucks. of that kind of killed my momentum a bit, honestly, sure. with the game because that just always does. Because I just got jumped by one too many of the fucking super strong monsters that are just fucking over leveled, and I was dumb and didn't use an auto escape item. Yeah, we'll talk about weird over leveled monsters jumping you later when I talk <laughs> about a specific game. Fair enough, but um. Yeah, so that's something you can buy for your Wii U. Also for your Wii U, if you're so inclined, you can buy this old-ass game now called Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate. Yeah, that game still exists. <laughs> yeah. It's the most recent console version of Monster Hunter. It's true. That's yes. why I own it. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of that game? We played a little bit together. Yeah. I mean, I like that. That game is fine if you're playing with friends. Like, it's it's an, it's a it's a pretty good time and it like scratches some of my MMO itches that I had been building but ultimately yeah. it doesn't scratch them like ultimately it's not enough <laughs> of being wow for me while still being similar in certain ways enough well, I mean it's not me trying to it. be wow it, it's not at all but like you're talking about the raid of, boss thing yeah like that yeah. kind or even that kind of like long grind game. Oh, okay. That like, it is. Really? Yeah. Like ultimately if I'm playing a game that's really about the long term grind, I just keep thinking about wow and eventually yeah. want to play wow. Yeah. Like no, I'm with you. There's no other game that like has like replaced that one in terms of like at my core what I want to be doing if I'm doing long term long-term grinding mm -hmm. so it's it's good though like if i'm playing with people i'm fine but i'm not i'm just not gonna play a monster hunter game by myself there are too many fucking other games to play there's a lot of other games to play so and like yeah what's your story behind monster hunter why do you even own it if you don't want to play it solo because <laughs> i talked me into getting it to play with him, Ben, and Peter a while ago. And then they basically played it once, and I think Ben was like, fuck this, I'm out! Did they play it with you? No. That one never. time, even? They never They never played with me. So when you jumped in with us, it was the first time you played it with people? It was the first time I played it with people, yes. I had played yeah. just enough to unlock multiplayer. Right, because you have to. Yep. You yeah. To play, so I played like an hour and a half or something. I think that was sure. It's long. like no time at all, really. Yeah. It's like two missions basically to get you used to how to move. Well, yeah, and it took me a while to get over being mad at how it played. <laughs> <laughs> the part where you have, where in that game you have to click 
over and over again to keep looting the same thing. Yeah. Like, they're just little fucking design quirks that are like, when you're playing that game with people or when you're super into that game or just you fucking blow over. But, like, playing that game for the first time and, like, playing it by myself so I automatically look at it critical because that's just what I do. I fucking hate so many design choices that are in that game. There's so many things that should be better. So that just drove me nuts. But, mm. like, when you're playing that game with people and, like, you're super... If, if you're if you're playing it for a long time, you just get used to that stuff and it's, like, water off your yeah. back. So, like, I get why Monster Hunter fans are, like... That's the, the problem why people who are into that game, it's impossible for them to deal with people who haven't played it. Yeah, no, like, for sure. Like, people who haven't played it are hung up on all these little things that, like, people who are super into it don't even notice anymore. Right. Like, it's not even a thing for them. Yeah, but I mean, for them, it's basically what monster or what armor or weapon do we want to make? What do we need? Let's go kill that monster a million times. Yeah. Which is super fun. It's a super engaging thing, which is why WoW is so fun. Yeah, because it's that I need this item. We're going to run this dungeon five times a week. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, that's what that game is. So Monster Hunter is the same only with a smaller group, which I actually like, honestly. That's kind of why I like dungeoning. In a, I ended up liking dungeoning more than raiding and WoW even, where you could just get together with four other friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the smaller group, you have basically just like the giant raid bosses, essentially, which are the monsters that you're chasing around, and then you get that... like It's one of those things that it still has the... like gambling system of you feel really really bad when you spend all this time killing this giant monster and you didn't get the one piece you need but you feel really really good if it drops yeah so it totally has that it hits that for sure which is kind of irritating how hard it hits that but it's what keeps me going in that game basically mm-hmm. also i will say that game is actually accessible when you play it with people that know how to play it and they help you learn it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That game does not do a good job of teaching you how to play it in game. That game does a fucking horrible job of teaching you how to play like, it. Like, does it even <laughs> fucking try? atrocious? Yeah. It does, because there's a fucking lot of tutorial text. None of it helps. Yeah, you're but right. There's a fucking lot of text that doesn't teach you shit. Like, it's really bad. It's yeah. poorly designed in a lot of ways, but in ways that don't matter if you're into it. I mean, realistically, it doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you were... If you were, like, reviewing that game, you, you, you'd have played it enough that that stuff doesn't matter. You know like, what it's very much like is Demon's Souls in that way. Demon's Souls did not tell you anything, and a lot of people panned it for that, but the people that, like, learned it got super into it and then like Dark Souls made it a bit easier and then people really started getting into it but it's like that it's the very old Japanese style of doing this type of game <laughs> yeah well they're, they're kind of setting their ways about they just don't think about way, how to teach a player properly yeah they or think the way uh, they don't think the way designers would for a mass market they think the way that, like, well, I designed this, so I know how it works. Why don't you? Sort of thing. <laughs> it's kind of frustrating, but... Well, it's super frustrating because they do try to teach you. They're just having... N- they're bad teachers. It's like you... That's actually they, true. 
that to oh, there's a lot of tutorial stuff, but it's all fucking and like time it takes to fucking unlock stuff, but it it's all worthless. It's all really bad at actually teaching you. Mm-hmm. So like they kind of they've someone has told them they need to teach player stuff, but they're they're like not invested enough in that idea to like figure out how to do that well. I don't know. I thought it was super fun, though. I had a good time with it. I'm super looking forward to Monster Hunter Generations coming out in, like, a week. We played a lot of that game that weekend. We played a lot of that game that weekend. I've been wanting to go back, but at the same time, the reason I haven't has mainly been because the new one is coming out, and I'm going to be playing that. So, I don't want to burn myself out on the old version, basically. Yeah. 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 Still a fun game, though. I mm-hmm. like it. Yeah, it's good. Let's talk about Stories, The Path of Destiny. Stories, The Path of Destiny. So I only got I got this game after watching you stream it, mm-hmm. actually. Um, I'd heard about it before. I think the first place I actually saw it was I was like looking at Uplay. It was on the Uplay store. I was like, what the fuck is this? And it yeah. sounded super ambitious but I didn't know if it would be a thing I would like enough to finish, but then... We should describe like I, what it is, because the name Stories of Path of Destiny sounds It's super, like the worst. Oh. It's the worst fucking title. It's a bad title, yeah. It tells so, you nothing. It's super generic, and it literally tells you nothing. So, so it's... It's an anthropomorphic, like, your animals. Think like Robin Hood, Disney's Robin Hood sort of thing. You're a fox that is, like, a sword fighter or whatever. Yeah. And, um... It plays like uh, like one of those like 3D platformers, like a Crash Bandicoot or something, but like in this day and age, not that old or whatever, with uh, hack and slash elements that are performed more like Arkham I, combat. Yeah, it's kind of it's Arkham combaty. Yeah, for sure. Extent. It's kind of like if you cross, like in terms of how it sort of presents itself, it would sort of be like Diablo or something like that, plus an Arkham. Sure. But like not, but super stripped down from what that actually sounds like. But like the draw, the first like impression draw of it is that it's really nice looking. Mm-hmm. Like the art, I really like the art style, the cartoony. Like it's a little more than cell shaded. Is yeah, I don't know how to describe how it looks, but like it's if you look colorful, up screenshots, very, very colorful. Yeah, and it has a a storybook presentation that's very charming. Yeah, for sure. The narrator is real good too. That yeah, I mean, a, this is all a, just aesthetic stuff. Similar to um, Bastion, just in terms of the uh, all, yeah, all your story you're getting is from a narrator, sort of describing what's happening. It feels a lot like Bastion, actually, in the way like you even move around the world and stuff. Only instead of having the camera locked, it's kind of following you. And the combat's very different because when you yeah. when you get into like a group of enemies, you're sort of locked into stuff the way you are in like Arkham, where it's yeah. all about it's all about you just sort of end up just mashing on A or ti- or timing and like doing counters. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. It, it's about mashing, and then counters happen. Like, mm-hmm. a, uh, a, one of my problems with the game is I think the combat when I was playing it was super. It was kind of tedious and super easy, but I'm also not a fan of Arkham Combat at all. I was going to say, like, if you don't like Arkham, that is the biggest problem with, like, Arkham Combat. That's the biggest problem with this game. Yeah. Easily. For sure. Yeah. 
the thing I like about this game, though, like I didn't, I kind of heard the name in passing. I saw some screenshots here and there. The thing I really like about this game myself was playing through it and just being like, oh, I feel like I'm near the end. And then I was, and then I went back to like, it kind of sends you back after you do a storyline or like one of the ways a story can play out and you pick different things. It's like a choose your own adventure in a game. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was super novel, and I really, really like that. And I really, really want to go back to that game and finish it off. But you finished it, yeah. So basically, you get a you get a bunch of choices during the throughout the game. Most of them are just like primarily. There are a couple exceptions, but primarily you're just choosing like what mission am I going to do next? Right. Like you're sort of an outlaw again, fighting an empire, and you have to figure out what you're going to prioritize in terms of how the story works. Am I going to like save a friend or am I going to go get this artifact is like the initial initial setup for a thing. And really what that's deciding is am I going to go to this area or am I going to go to this area? Like it, a lot of those choices end up, they are part of the overall story, but really what you're deciding is like, which, which place you're going to go to next. And then based on the choices you've made, then the story plays out in a particular way with a lot of permutations, but eventually you get to one ending and then you start over because you're basically always going to get to a bad ending. Right. At, at first. And the, the big thing though, that is that there are the way the game's structured out is there are a lot of endings, but there are kind of only four kinds of different endings that then once you've gotten one of each of those, you unlock the ability to get to the true ending. And it's sort of about taking certain choices that lead you to figuring out certain facts. Mm-hmm. And that works. That doesn't work quite as well as it should, mostly because like on my path, I got an ending where really it, the game was telling me I'd only learned one fact, but really I had learned two of the facts, but because of the way the game is structured, I had only unlocked one of the things. Right, because you didn't complete A, so you the game logic says you don't know C. Yeah, even though, even though because of the particular permutation of that ending I got, right. uh, the other fact was super obvious. <laughs> like, should have been super obvious, but I had to play through another path to, to like learn that. So that kind of broke the story thing. But I mean, it's still a video game. It still has to be programmed in a way that it can logically like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's that's the thing. The game is super ambitious in terms of that story stuff, and like as you're getting out, you really see the edges of what like where that like they were limited because of of how much they wanted to do there. Where again, you're when you play through the game, you're really playing these same couple levels over and over again. Although you are getting new upgrades and stronger, so you can do it faster and easier. The big things I like, I thought the combat was pretty fucking easy, and then when you get more upgrades, it made it much easier. Right, like like it's kind of trivial, except in certain enemies that just made were annoying, because like the game eventually builds to where you're doing these long combo strings. And like you hit a point where you're just fucking dashing around at everything, but then their enemies, if you fucking run into them, you just die. <laughs> like you explode. <laughs> like I guess you could upgrade into health and maybe you could survive that, but I just want to try to go faster. 
so I didn't put anything into health. So those were those enemies in particular were were like the only thing that posed me any threat at all. They're also like again, they're limited. There are only so many enemy types. There aren't really any bosses. And you just and all the story is delivered through these storybook passages, which are cool and neat. But like at a certain point, you're like, you notice when you played the same things over and over again, you notice the sort of stiltedness of the in-game, the little amount of interaction you get with in-game models in terms of story stuff. It's like it's right. all you just sort of you see the phrase at the edges when you play through it over and over again, which is what the game kind of demands you to do. The problem is, is that that's the same problem with every game that you play over and over again that's built into the game. Like, not a game with, like, replayability, yeah. like, say, Isaac, mm-hmm. but, like, a game that the part, like, has a story based in that you, like, replay a section again, you see yeah. the problems. Kind of like Telltale. Like, you go through one of their games through, like, a story path or whatever, choosing your options, and then you should leave it at that. Going back yeah. and seeing, like, oh, I wonder what happens if I do this. It just, like, reminds you that this is a video game, so it didn't fucking matter what you ever did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the... Yeah, again, the the best part of Telltale is <laughs> mitigate that by literally making stuff just flavor. Right. Like, that's the way you do that. But, yeah, this game... This game's story suffers because it forces you... It, like, pushes you into that stuff. Right. And I've seen games that get around that by, like, there's this game Radiant Historia that I really like that's about time travel stuff, and it's and similar kind of just in terms of choices and replaying things, but it's mostly just structured around having one big divergent path right at the beginning of the game, and then uh-huh. two separate paths that sort of string out, and you sort of switch back and forth with then smaller strands, so it's it's much more controlled where you're going so they can focus more on having uh, strong moments and making unique stuff happen. Right. Like they just built that game in a similar sort of way, but in a way that worked better as a game. Whereas this is super ambitious in terms of, well, just all these possibilities are in front of you, but that means, and it means we can spend a lot of time making our levels look really nice because you're going to have to go through them at least like five times. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, it's just stuff of, like, you start unlocking more enemy types, but there are only, like, two or three more enemy types you ever unlock. And there's no final boss or anything. And the uh, ending isn't, isn't amazing, but, like, it's The still ending good. isn't the point of that game, though. Let's be honest. Like, yeah, 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 no. No. It's, that game is it's, very much about the journey, like, literally choosing your journey and not about, like, what happens at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's totally true. Uh, Vision of Chaos is saying, is the plot any good in this story? Assuming, like, it's called Stories, so you would assume so, He is what he's basically saying. Like, I mean, saying. I watched I watched Paul play through, like, basically one run, and was like, oh, this looks good enough that I want to play it. So I'd say yeah. yes. Like, I like the story. I wanted sure. to see it through. I played it through in, like, one sitting, which took, like, four hours. Like, that's like not I like that this game. long. No, wow. it's... it's I mean, I plowed through it. Like, I, I, I hit all four endings immediately, and then did the last one. And again, the combat super easy by the end of the game. Yeah. I only had a, a, I, the upgrade tree. Like, I just found it super easy. Like, sure. I also prioritize stuff to make it go faster. Like, I prioritize getting a dash 
being able to dash more. Like I could dash like eight times in a row yeah. by the end of that game. Like it was dumb. <clears throat> That's pretty important actually in that game. Yeah. So the the other thing I will say about this game though is in terms of how it plays, it's it feels really clunky, particularly because like there if I compare it specifically to a game in Hyper Light Drifter, which has a similar like dash and then hitting moves, but that doesn't have Arkham combat, like you're not built into this system of countering. It's literally just enemies attacking. You have to be good enough to dodge out and dodge in. Like yeah. it, it was more there's more finesse and like creativity allowed in terms of what you're doing as a player. And it's but it's similar in a lot of ways. So I'm glad I held off on playing stories because those games came out around the same time and I was looking at both of them at the same time and was worried about that specific problem. Right. So that was actually less than it might have been if I had played that, that them closer together. Because sure. I think like I just think Hyperlight Drifter has similar ideas in terms of what it wants to do in combat, but it just works much better because it's not. See, I don't agree. Like, I don't like the combat in Hyperlight Drifter at all. Okay. So, I guess like in this way, I like Arkham Combat. Yeah. So <laughs> it's one of those things where we're complete opposite on the combat thing specifically. Hmm. I think I don't. I don't feel like in Hyperlight Drifter. I the, I guess this is where we make that transition because yeah. I played Hyperlight Drifter. <laughs> sure. Um, I didn't play through it yet though. Uh huh. Um, I don't feel like I had as much control over what I wanted to do in Hyperlight Drifter as I did in Stories. It, well, I should rephrase by saying Stories keyboard and mouse control is the worst fucking thing I've played with that type of combat in on PC, mm-hmm. but like it got better when I switched to controller later on my own. Yeah. So I like how stories plays in combat more than Hyperlight Drifter did. However, I like Hyperlight Drifter's aesthetic way more than like anything in stories. Yeah, so, Hyperlight Drifter just fucking looks fucking amazing. Uh, Hyperlight I, Drifter it also I would say that has a much that that game curves out, so once you start getting the upgrades, they I'm sure change it a lot. I'm and they sure. really help. Whereas stories, like I got a lot of upgrades that made me more powerful. I could dash a lot more, but like the combat was pretty much the same throughout that whole game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I they could like never presented a different kind of challenge. Really. Like you right. get you get to shield guys, then you get to exploding guys. That's it. And I eventually got an upgrade that made me ignore everything about shield guys. Sure. Like, literally, shields didn't matter by the end of that game. Did you just, like, break through them or something? You get a gem that just, you just ignore them. Like, you hit oh. people, like, like shields don't exist. That's... Literally. That's a weird design. I think and that's you, a flaw. And before that, you get a thing where you can dash, through, like, it's a choice upgrade, but you can dash through enemies and ignore shields, whereas normally if you try to dash yeah. through shields. That's a pretty um, early upgrade, actually, in that tree yeah. that you can get. Yep. But, yeah, um, going back to Hyper Light Drifter, I think the thing I like about that game is how, like, little it lets you know what's going on. That's I love the fucking way it tells the story without any words. It's really good. You're just kind of in this world, and, like... The way you learn what's going on is just by seeing, oh, this is going down when this happens. This must be this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I really, it's weird to say this. I really like how obscure it is. 
it's really, really fucking good. cool. It really sets a tone and like environment for what's going on and kind of forces you to care more than you would if it just kind of fed everything to you in like a HUD that was like mm-hmm. around your character or something. Yeah. I really like like you were saying, just the silence in it. Even though like your character like doesn't talk, I think one of my main problems, and this is something that's easily fixed, was that like the music was really loud, it felt like mm. by comparison. <laughs> <laughs> So I just ended up turning all of that down because my eardrums were like burning after the first bit. Mm. But aesthetically, I really like how that game looks. I think it looks very much like the things I liked about Sword and Sorcery, if you remember that game. Uh-huh. But like done well. I I never thought that game looked particularly great, even though it did that like aesthetic. Like it did what it was trying to do. By yeah. making everybody weird, pixely, like Slenderman looking mm-hmm. guys. I just hated how that looks. I think Hyperlight Drifter is the evolution on that style of like making things colorful, but still kind of like this weird, distorted, pixely world. Yeah. I don't uh, know. The, like the pixel style actually also kind of reminds me of Duelist in some ways. Okay. In terms of yeah. like the character models, not the backgrounds. Right. But just like that, like sort of pixely stuff of like modern pixel art, basically. That's I get going a, for a particular style. I get a very Fez vibe as well for like, this is probably the best way to make a comparison for how that game kind of tells you what you're doing or what you should be doing. Is that in Fez, nothing is said to you of like what you're doing. Basically, you would get a thing and then it would like unlock a thing. Uh And that's kind of what this game does. Like, you'll pick up a thing, and then it'll, like, show that same shape of the thing you picked up, usually, like, a triangle thing, go into, like, a slot. And then when you see that slot later, you're like, oh, that's what this is for, obviously. This Uh is, like, a doorway or something. I think the design of it is really smart, and that's why it can get away with its obscurity. Because there's there's another universe where that game doesn't do the design part well and the obscurity makes it unplayable yeah but they didn't go that way so i'm glad <laughs> the one part where the obscurity rubbed off of me is just the at the stores i didn't realize you could menu down for a while mm. when i first played that game but like in all the stores you i thought you had to get like the first option before you could get to the lower things you can buy there but you can buy all of those at once that was that was like oh, okay. the one point where the game the stuff was all in front of me and I just read it wrong. But right. other than that, other than that, I, you I can hardly be blamed for that though. Let's be honest. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> that what I'm saying. Real I, hard think, to read. I think that part was, was a little too obscure. Right. That part didn't read particularly well, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, there are basic things I think you should make readable, <laughs> but whatever, it's fine. Yeah. You learned like, eventually the, the most important upgrades in that game are the dash moves, like getting the upgraded dash where you can dash infinitely is the biggest thing, I would say. I could totally see that. Because that changes I keep getting that game. frustrated when I'm like, that's, oh, I'm out, I guess. I mean, that's the big thing. Like, this game didn't got a lot of uh, sort of negative reviews on Steam just because players... Re- there were a lot of people who were really taken with the art style, but just it was too hard. They couldn't, like... Right get through it like it was just the game can be kind of brutal in certain ways although i do think it's fair at checkpoints pretty well it does checkpoint well i'll give you that for sure but yeah like 
that game has a definite skill curve in terms of learning its the flow to its combat. But once you learn that flow, I really like it. But it does it does take some doing. You do have to put in in the time to like learn its rhythms. Right. You know what game has really bad combat? What game? The Technomancer. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Technomancer is made by Spiders, I believe is their studio name. They're the same people that did Mars Logs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And in the same vein, it's uh, a game where you are on Mars. You are a Technomancer. Actually, when you start the game, you're a Technomancer in training, which is a fancy way of see- saying a dude who can use force lightning basically like okay. all your attacks are electrical hmm. so you're like an electric mage or something like that so you're like neo in the real world at the end of matrix reloaded yeah kind of <laughs> um that game has like i guess you could call it arkham style combat but it's actually more witcher combat the difference being arkham style is very much uh about counters and timing stuff to do damage uh-huh. where Witcher and this are more about dodging until you have an opening basically. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest problems is that the Witcher three came out last year. Witcher games are very good at their type of combat. This game is very bad at it and it's just magnified by the fact that the good version is recent. Hmm. <laughs> So there's that problem. There's a problem where you get attacked by hordes of enemies. The lock-on system is absolutely terrible. Uh, Going down one upgrade tree is, like, the way to do that game. So it gives you an option between, like, doing a shield and mace build, uh, like, assassin build with, like, a gun and a dagger, a warrior build with a bow staff. No, I'm not kidding. And, um... Like just a technomancer build with like your where you're just kind of using everything like mm-hmm. you can, and you can switch between these ad nauseum as like like you could in Witcher where you have like a stance that like is very powerful but slower a stance that's very agile so you dodge more but do a little less damage etc. It's kind of that idea, but um, I thought that like well why wouldn't you just go in the Technomancer tree, right? Because you can use any of your stances, essentially, your different weaponry, and they, like, kind of buff up your other Uh weapons. So that's what I did, and I don't know if that was the right choice because I felt like I was getting killed a lot. I wasn't getting any real, like, tangible upgrades in my Technomancer path that made me feel cool or anything. Like... I think I might have screwed myself without, like, I should have just gone, like, Warrior or something with, like, a main dodge all the time that gets better or something like that. But uh-huh. that game doesn't play well combat-wise anyways. And that is a huge bummer because there's quite a bit of combat in it, so it makes it nigh unplayable in a way, weird way. Uh-huh. This would all be kind of fine, by the way, if this game was like one of those like $10 games or something, this is like a $40 game. Like it's yeah. an almost full price thing. Uh the voice acting and writing in it is absolutely god awful. The I'm a sucker for like this like cyberpunk futuristic like 
dystopia stuff. So that's kind of why I wanted to try it out. Mm-hmm. But there's so many problems that I have with this game that I just don't, I, I can't recommend it. I just don't like this game at all, to be honest with you. I, the one thing I will say that I found really funny is that when you become a technomancer in it, your last name just changes to Manser. <laughs> so your like trainer sensei guy <laughs> is literally named Sean Manser. And when you become a technomancer, you become Zachariah Manser. So you are Zach Manser. You're a Manser Zach's. It's weird. That's super dumb. Yeah. Yeah, it's super dumb. The game is really, really silly. But, yeah, it's one of those ones I wouldn't recommend, really. I feel like I want to play a little bit more of it because I don't know why. I have this feeling that, like, that story goes crazy in a weird Mm -hmm. way, and I kind of want to see it, but I don't know. I don't know, man. (laughs) I don't know if I can handle more dumb fights with like a bunch of random bugs when it feels really shitty Mm. just for I don't know being called Zach Manser (laughs) like it's really dumb anyway that doesn't doesn't sound like anything I want No, nothing I want I mean I couldn't even get through the Witcher (laughs) because I felt like there was too much combat yeah I think this has way less combat than the Witcher yeah but that's because it is like a very what's the word I'm looking for? Like straight and narrow game where the Witcher was this big thing where like you could get in fights anywhere in the world. Well oh yeah. So So it's like it's more similar just in theory to like an earlier Witcher game. But also sure. but maybe even less than that, more streamlined. But not yep. open worlds is what I'm I'm getting. Right. That's right. So yeah, that's the Technomancer, and I don't recommend it. The one thing I found weird about it is that I was reading Reddit, and maybe this was like the first mistake or something. I mean, reading Reddit is always a mistake, but continue. But um, I saw some people like linking to YouTube videos and um, reviews and stuff like that of people talking about this game in a negative light, and bringing up kind of stuff they hated even more than I did in this game. Uh-huh. And them just being like, the reason why they hate this game is because they suck. These reviewers are terrible or whatever. They just don't get it. And it led me to realize that there are defenders on the internet for like everything. Because yep. it's really weird that there's a group of people that care so much about the Technomancer lore that they're going to go fight for that game. It's not even because it's like a r- good game hidden or like even a really shitty game that's so bad it's good. It's uh-huh. just so like mediocre and doesn't stand out it was weird to me that people were fighting for it i guess i don't know it's i mean i assume they're built off because the developers made other games i assume that's a fan base built off of like following them and being like invested in their game so they were like already poised to be invested in it before it was even out i feel like it's the way that kind of stuff builds so that they feel like an investment not only in like the game as a game, but in like the developer to like support. They want the developer to succeed and create more games later. Also, is like a big thing. They don't want people to to denigrate that thing because they feel like then that developer might not be able to make another game. 
They're just like hmm. purse. They feel invested. Like that's a thing people do. That's true. Hmm. Either way, I found it weird. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Darkest Dungeon. Uh, yeah, I I bought Darkest Dungeon during the Steam sale. That game's cool. Have you been playing um, it? Have had you played it before seeing video or anything? I I'd watched a bunch of video of it. I'd seen you play it. Um I hadn't played it before. But you knew what you were getting into. I knew exactly what I was getting into. I okay. had the problem where my healer died and now I don't have a healer. Yeah. And now <laughs> so you're just like, well, what I'm do I do like, now? And now I'm just like like I'm trying to do easy missions hoping a healer shows up, but it's like yep. a slog. It's like, yeah, 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 I know what this game. <laughs> this game is this game. It's, it's just, one of those games that, like, if you lose somebody that's super important to what you're doing, you might as well yeah. restart. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just I was. There was like a chance with me that it would hit me hard the way something like XCOM did this year. XCOM Two did. But right. I don't think it's going to. I think I'm just gonna chip away at it a bit and never get that far. It just doesn't. I don't know why, but it just doesn't hit with me. Mostly because the way it plays out, I'm too inclined to do really dumb things. I can't stay on my game enough in in terms of like exploring a dungeon. I keep fucking up, and then everything goes bad because when yeah. you, when you stop really paying attention and doing the right making the right choices everything goes wrong and bad like yo even if you like are paying yeah, even super if- close attention you can get <laughs> fucked by our like all it takes yeah. is rng for like one of these douchebag enemies to hit you with like say the goblet or whatever which increases your stress by so fucking much yeah. and then your main guy just like starts berating your healer and your healer wants to kill themselves so they like run in front like it can go so bad in one uh-huh. turn <laughs> yeah i had actually a really good streak early on of like play of characters getting stressed but then like breaking out of like getting the the good buff out of it right and then like empowered but then like you just keep playing and then oh no that now it's all going bad now rng is turned oh god oh god I mean that's that game though. And then you're out so. of money. Yeah, that's what that game is. Yep. But it so. it just um it doesn't keep me going on a loop as well. Like the way it I'm getting in and out of dungeons. There's just like I kind of agree with you actually. I felt the same problem. Little hooks that don't keep me rolling. Because that was the big thing with why I, I ended up playing forty four hours of XCOM two was like in my head, I was like exhausted and ready to be done, mm-hmm. but I had already clicked the button that started the timer up again for the next mission. Oh. And then once the mission started, I had to do the next mission. Right. <laughs> like it, it just strung me along in a way that that kept me addicted, where I can put up with a lot of bullshit when I'm when I'm doing that, but uh. This just doesn't have the the strength. There's too much. There's like all that downtime in the city between between every uh, mission. That when something's gone bad, I'm much less inclined to uh, power through and get to the next thing. Right. When when, when I'm feeling like a slog and like I'm not actually making progress because I'm waiting for a fucking healer to spawn or something. 
Right. I had the same problem, honestly, in that game. But yeah. it's a cool thing. Yeah. I get I get why people are super into it. It's got a bunch of good style about it. And the combat's pretty good. I think that game is one of the games that if you like have the ability to just kind of pick up what you need to do and just like it hooks you right, you could spend a lot of time in it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you were in the darkest dungeon. Well, I've been in the diehard dungeon. <laughs> yeah. How is that dungeon? It's really fucking shitty. That game is not very good at all. It was on a Steam sale for 80 cents, and I was like, even if this sucks, it's 80 cents. I feel like I got ripped off. I don't know what it is. Like, I know it's probably made by one dude or whatever, but it yeah. just feels like a worse version of Binding of Isaac. It's the same type of, like, dungeon crawler thing where you're picking up uh, keys and stuff, and, like, there's chests and different items and stuff like that. I just don't like it, man. I don't even know why I put it on this list, to be honest. It's something I played. I'm not going to say a whole lot more about it. It's just that that game feels unpolished in the way that the first Binding of Isaac did, which made me actually stop playing the first Binding of Isaac even, mm -hmm. where it was just like, this just like isn't good, basically. So it has that problem going for it. It's also the problem that there's a better version of what I think they're trying to do out there and have like have been keeping up with with Afterbirth and like Afterbirth Plus coming out and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I just think it's a waste of time. However, Dungeon Souls or Wait, Dungeon Soul or whatever. Quickly, yeah. Speaking yeah. of games that cost eighty cents. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just played like. 10 minutes of Timberman on Steam. That is a free-to-play phone game that's on Steam for like a okay. dollar. I mean, I'm going to look I, it up right now. It's literally like you click on one side, then you click on the other right, with, uh -huh. as like trees come down, and then it has a bunch of like dumb costumes and stuff. And But it's multiplayer. Me, Spartan Kuja, we're looking for something dumb to do. And that was Did you play it multiplayer? Yeah, we played it together for like 10 minutes. That was a dumb time. I'm That's looking a, it up right now. I literally just thought of it because you said you spent 80 cents on a game. And then I remembered. Oh, this game looks dumb. Yeah, it's a phone. Wow. It's a free-to-play phone game. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. That's fair what enough. that is. <clears throat> uh, Dungeon Soul. Yeah. This is a game I got as a gift here so i decided like it was on my wish list i'd been wanting to check it out mm -hmm. and i'm a i'm pretty pleasantly surprised with it again it's a dungeon crawler go figure with a name like dungeon soul yeah um the it plays almost like a weird moba where you have different abilities that you can unlock when you level up and make stronger <laughs> hmm. there's different characters so there's like the barbarian like a knight a mage an archer etc etc basically dungeons and dragons characters types archetypes or whatever and it i don't know what it is about it i think it just plays smooth enough because it's a, another one of these indie titles or whatever yeah it plays smooth enough where i don't mind going into a few different runs and it kind of has like the old like a spelunky style of like you can only spend so much time in a dungeon 
area or a stage or whatever, the thing you're trying to do is there's these like, not altars really, but these like drawings on the ground of like a bunch of symbols that you step on. And when you do, it summons a bunch of like cultists or enemies or whatever to attack you. And then you clean them out and there's a certain amount of them on each floor. So like the first one, there's usually five of those. So you do all five and then you can go around and just kind of like pick up different items or whatnot uh-huh. and then go to the next stage. It's kind of the same thing that uh hero siege, that same type of feel only instead of hordes of enemies attacking you and you clearing waves, it's more binding of Isaac. But, like, you're uh-huh. not going through different rooms. It's just, like, one big dungeon room that you're moving around. I don't know. I think it's just one of those games that it's it was free for me, but I think it's actually pretty cheap on Steam as well. And it plays nice enough that if you like that style of game, you could probably lose a couple hours in. I don't know if I'd recommend it for, like, oh, this is going to be, like, my new... I play Rebirth all the time. This is going to be my new game. It's, uh-huh. not, that, it's not that. It's, like... Yeah. I'm listening. I don't know what to play right now. I'm going to listen to this podcast and or like watch this Twitch stream or something and like play something for maybe an hour. It's one of those. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like Enter the Gungeon, really. It is more like a Binding of Isaac, like where you're moving in the different directions and shooting or attacking in like a direction. So you're not, like, dodge rolling out of the way or anything Mm -hmm. like that? Yeah, the dodge roll and enter the gungeon kind of changes the feel that kind of game a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, Remember how... I'm trying to remember where it was you were talking... Oh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, where you were saying, like you're playing or whatever and then every now and then you get that problem with like all these types of games where you just run into like a mob of enemies that are stupidly overpowered yeah and you're just like what the fuck rush sessions there are specific enemies that spawn that are harder that you can't you can't prevent from fighting you by hitting them with your sword your sword literally just pushes them back and they keep coming at you right so stranger of sword city let me tell yeah. you about overleveled enemies. <laughs> Did you watch any of this when I played it? I watched a bit of it. Okay. Stranger of Sword City is an old school dungeon crawler, go figure, but yeah. done in the way that um I'm trying to remember the name of it. I think it's Wizardry series. Did mm-hmm. it where it's first person, kind of like a Doom or something. And Every time you have you're in a dungeon or whatever, and there's tile spaces that you move. So like you would move north one, then like west one or whatever, or turn around. Yeah. It's actually like, like a Legend of Grimrock did a, yeah, new, was, a new style of it. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. So it's one of these very old dungeon crawling type of games, mixed with an RPG and like dumb anime sensibilities in how it presents the characters and stories. Uh And there's something super charming about it, but I don't know if I can go back into that game, which we'll get into in a second. I'll explain kind of how the combat works is like you're walking around in a dungeon and in those old games, what would happen is you would see like an enemy or whatever, right? 
Yeah. And then, like, if you took a turn and, like, moved forward, the enemy could take a turn and, like, maybe shoot something at you or, like, spit acid at you or, like, move forward towards you or move away from you if it was trying to escape or something. And you would kind of go, it was turn-based like that where, like, it would go as fast. You could make it real time by just, like, moving all the time. Uh-huh. But, like, you could plan out, like, how many squares it can move and... Like, you'd be drawing little maps of, like, the dungeons and stuff like that and maybe plotting where chess and enemies were. But in those games, the enemies would be right in front of you and you would, like, take a sword swing if you were right beside them or, like, throw a fireball or whatever. In this game, there's, like, a spot where enemies are. When you walk over it, you go into an RPG scene, basically, where Mm -hmm. you'll see two rows of enemies in front of you. And you'll have all of your characters. You have six characters in your party in a row. Uh, the first row is your first three characters. And the last row is uh, your last three characters. And it plays like an RPG. Like you have fight, you have skills, you have uh, spells, etc. Yeah. The thing that gets me about this game is that the first enemy you fight is literally a level 17 hydra when you're level one i'm not even kidding hardcore rpg nice the yeah i guess i'll just tell you how the game starts because if you cared you would just play through it anyways and it's the first 10 minutes so i'm not really spoiling anything even though it feels like a spoiler for how weird it is Uh so you're like in this you create your character right and then you're in this dungeon. You hear a voice behind you, and it's this old man being like, oh, you're new here, or whatever. And you're just like, yeah, what's going on here, old man? He's like, well, come follow me. Let me show you. And then he's like, eat my wyvern and hydra, bitch. And he literally throws two fucking level 17 things at you. Luckily, an anime girl way. with a giant sword cuts off uh-huh. the wyvern's head oh, nice. and joins your party. Because the Hydra kills you instantly, and she fights the Hydra. (laughs) (laughs) Great. This is how this game starts. This is the first five to ten minutes. That's a weird way to do the old man. Teaches you how to catch Pokemon thing. Yeah, kind of. Tutorial fight. Where he's like, it would be like the tutorial fight guy, right? Being like... I'm going to teach you how to play Pokemon. And then he t- pulls out a gun and tries to shoot you. <laughs> like, That'd be a good he, twist. Or he's just like, here, have a Rattata or something. I'm going to teach uh-huh. you the basics of combat. And then sends out, like, Mewtwo. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. It's weird. It's, yeah, there's... I mean, there. that is a genre of RPGs that are just players like that are just about fuck you yeah and, but like we, rpgs are just fucking and all that means is you're gonna have to grind a shit ton so i'm not super into that idea yeah so the problem i'm having is after all that's done she's like this is way too dangerous for you come back to sword city or, and like we'll get you like cleaned up or whatever and you can mm-hmm. meet other people you're like yeah cool so you go back and you learn about the different places where you can like recruit people or like send people when they're 
need healing and all that sort of shit because you have six party members at any time. So later on, when you have a bunch of people you can recruit, you can send back party members to like heal and then like bring another person in, etc. Um, when you go back out there with a full party, your party is made up of level two to four. You are still fighting level 13 to 17 shit. The idea being that there's six of you, so it's probably going to be easier, and, like, you have a character that can buff, you have a person that can heal, all that Uh sort of thing. The problem is is that that would be fine if you're fighting one, like, level 13 ooze or something, but you're usually fighting, like, three to six level 13 things, and you're all level twos. Yeah. So... It relies heavily on you basically wanting to make the commitment of grinding up at least 10 levels before doing anything in the game, I think. Uh-huh. And this is not something I particularly want to do, which is a shame, because with a game that starts off the way it does, I want to see more. So I might actually just watch a Let's Play of it, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> Fair enough. Um... Yeah, I mean that's a that's a oh, there are plenty of hardcore old school RPGs. Yeah. That that you, that play that way. I'm sure this is a callback to that stuff, but Oh, that, for sure. That always that that kind of design I don't I don't like because it's just time consuming to grind. Oh, it's like, super Japanese. Like this is a Japanese yeah. style game to nice. the point where there's no actual English voice acting. Mhm. So it's yeah. yeah, it's very much that sort of thing. But I really like what they're doing in it. The idea is is that in this world or whatever, you kind of fell into it and I don't know like from where or anything, which is kind of the shame. I want to see more of this story. And you have this power the people that kind of fall into this world that have like strange powers are called strangers. Mm-hmm. And uh you have this power to, like, kill these baddies that are, like, they're not just, like, rats or whatever that the normal people that live here or whatever can take care of. They're, like, powered up, like, demonic monsters or, like, fairy monsters or whatever. They're actual monsters. And you're tasked with, like, just basically clearing them out and, like, killing them, which is why you're kind of walking around and killing shit in a party. Uh huh. And, like, you can absorb their powers to make yourself more powerful. And it's very cliche in that way. But aesthetically, the first thing you see when you get up in the surface with the old man is you are in a fantasy setting with, like, a plane crash and, like, TVs in a junkyard. And, like, the girl that saves you has, like, this weird metal arm like thing on her arm with like a giant sword and a schoolgirl outfit so they're kind of mixing like this modern and like high fantasy setting Uh and i kind of want to see what their justification for that is but again like at what cost right i'm not going to spend 30 hours just playing the first fucking area to be able to play the rest of the game yeah it's too bad i mean they're they're people that super love that kind of game and clearly they they're making it for them. So, And they did a good, like, for those people, I highly recommend this game. It's not mm-hmm. that expensive. It's, like, 30 bucks. And you're probably going to get, like, 500 hours out of it because you're crazy. 
<laughs> yeah. I don't know why. I've always had a weird thing against those games that make you um like switch you into first person for dungeon exploring. Those are my favorite ways to do dungeon exploring. I, I love why. those old games. I don't know why that always I always feel disconnected from stuff. Although a lot of it has to do with uh, games that don't show your party on screen when you fight at all. Like so there, there are a lot of literally kinds of talking about that, Grimrock. Well, I mean, there, there are plenty of other games that do this, but I just mean I'm actually talking about like standard turn-based RPGs. Oh, that yeah. then go that go into that, but then only show the enemies and don't right. show your. I'm with Your you. Party monsters. That's always a bummer to me. Yeah, I agree with you because you want to see like, I don't know. It's this weird thing where you want to feel like you're part of the group or whatever. Like you want to see your players. Yeah. yeah, like it's super dumb and like not actually a part of it, but it's like super important because you're playing yeah. that game for a long time. You're doing that stuff. I want to see my dudes. Yep. And this <sighs> game you do. Yeah. Like you don't see them like in battle stances or anything, but you see their portrait all lined up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yep. yeah, that's fun. It's a cool there game. Are, there are a lot of games that, that don't show that, of that kind of, that style. Yeah. I don't think that's even a new game either. I think that game came out a couple months ago, maybe. I'm not sure. I just saw it on the Steam store, and it was like, that looks cool. Fair enough. Just like Valhalla, cyberpunk bartender action. Or VA-11 Hall-A. Is there a lot of action? Uh, not really. There's a lot of talking. Okay. Talking yeah. is cool. It, rem- it reminds me of that Simpsons episode where they're all, uh, like, playing in an arcade, and Milhouse mm-hmm. is playing that, like, dinner with Andre or whatever. Oh. And he's just <laughs> like, tell me more. <laughs> the thing button. is Martin playing that game. Oh, you're right. It was Martin. You're a hundred percent right. I feel like an asshole. Anyways, what this I mean, game is, yeah. See, Wayward gets it. <laughs> He's like, "Tell me more. <laughs> Tell me more." He knew. Um. <sighs> so, VA dash eleven hall dash A in this world is like an area of this cybernetic or like cyberpunk futuristic city where this bar exists and that's they just refer to it as Valhalla obviously because that's what it spells out you are a bartender and you mix drinks that people order and as you get them more drunk they talk more about what's going on in the like city landscape like what's going on in this world and it's all about the dialogue but the thing is is the writing is fun the i like i said before the cyber the cyberpunk like futuristic dystopia thing just gets me every time mm-hmm. so that is super cool for me you get some weird characters in the bar you can like choose to put more or less alcohol in their drink and it's kind of like this bartending game where like the mechanic and loop is mixing the drinks that's the mechanic that like the actual gameplay part mm-hmm. but the real thing you stay for is the dialogue 
and like the different ways it can play out if you like mess up the drink or whatever or give them the wrong drink give them more alcohol or give them less alcohol etc it's really it sounds really boring when like i talk about it. it's like yeah you talk about weird things in the cybernetic city man like it sounds so dumb but it has a style and like earnestness to like the people that made this obviously really like this type of thing uh-huh. and it shows in the way it's written i just wish there was voice acting in it that's the only mm. thing that would like really put it over the top for me uh-huh. but i kind of recommend it it's it's a hard one to recommend because like you don't really do much in it <laughs> you uh-huh. know like there's not like a like meat boy thing where it's like yo if you like platformers this is the next level this is like <laughs> yo you're listening to a podcast you like people talking do you like to read as well because you should maybe check this out especially if you like cyberpunk things like it's so fucking niche and uh-huh. i think that's what i love about it is that it fits in perfectly with like what i like uh-huh. it's definitely a visual novel crowd type of game as wayward points out for sure in fact the website to go to like for it is actually waifubartending.com so there's it's very cyberpunk anime bullshit going on with some writing decent writing and weird lewd comments and stuff because you play a girl bartender so there's some is it like just listening to different character stories or is there like an overarching story at all or is it just is there anything else to it there's for sure stuff going on like in this world Uh uh-huh so like the for example the first character you meet and i'm pretty sure this is always the case is uh the editor for like this newspaper that you can when before you even start the game when you're looking like hanging out in your room you're looking at your cell phone and the Uh cell phone is like where you save and like can read news on the news app and stuff and you can like read this newspaper or this news site that this guy writes for and like he'll tell you a little bit about like in his crude way kind of like what his job entails and like the pieces of shit that he worked for him and stuff like that and how they don't respect him so like they're building this world through the dialogue but it's much more about the personal stories that they're telling you Uh which is much more intriguing to me. It's kind of like the one thing I always wanted to try is like, I always wanted to be just like a bartender in like a shitty bar for a weekend Uh to just like hear the stories people tell you about their lives and stuff. Cause I find that stuff, even though I don't like people, I really like hearing about people's like story. So this is just that in an anime cyberpunk setting. So, like, uh-huh. it's, for me personally, it's exactly what I want in a visual novel type thing. I could definitely see why people would be like, there's better shit out there. Because <laughs> there, I'm sure there are, depending on what you want. This is what I want, though. So. Fair enough. It sounds interesting. I might play it. Wayward saying it also reminded me of Papers, Please, the way you describe it with more talking. It is very much like Papers, Please, uh... Yeah, it's very much like Papers, Please, in a weird way, where, like, 
you kind of have a system of like how you make the drinks or whatnot. The difference yeah. is, is that Papers, Please focuses more on the mechanic and not the stories of the people where they keep adding different things to like make your job hell, basically. And yeah, then they like I mean, have this like budgeting thing by the end. Papers, Please also focuses on crushing your soul. Yeah. That's an and, important part of the game. Yeah, but like that's actually like the loop. That's the mechanic yeah, is adding uh-huh. more shit. This yeah. doesn't seem to add more shit. It probably will later on as I play more of it. But right now it seems very focused around like see- meeting these characters, seeing like hearing about where their place in this weird world is and like what's going on with like their backgrounds mm-hmm. and stuff. So I like that a lot. I mean, it reminds, what it reminds me of is a movie I didn't see from last year that was about the director just literally started like driving a cab in Tehran and then filmed stories of people talking to him. That yeah. was his movie made. Hmm. That sounds pretty cool. It's totally a game I would say pick up during the summer sale or something or like the winter sale because it's probably going to go down, I would assume, maybe to like... How much is it now? I think it's like 20 or 15. I could see this going down easily to 10, maybe to like 8 or 7. It's totally great at that price. I think it's great at the price it's at, but, you know, money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to look into this. I may or may not get it. I do have a bunch of other visual enough novel stuff I want to get to. Yeah. No, for sure. That And that's kind of the thing is that, like I said, depending on what you're into, like, there's yeah. probably a better visual novel out there for you. This is just kind of exactly in the niche of stuff I really like. Yeah, fair enough. So, yeah. Tell me about Tharsis. So, how much do you like getting completely shit on by RNG? Yo, I love D&D, so... <laughs> Congratulations, this game also has dice. No, I know. I know what this game is. <laughs> Literally about rolling six-sided dice, and then RNG shits on you. It's pretty yeah. much how it goes. I like, think it's the biggest really problem. Fucking brutal. I think the problem, biggest problem I found from just watching vi- uh, videos of this game and people play it, yeah. is that it doesn't feel like there's any safeguards in there to actually help you if RNG fucks you. It's just kind of like you, like you're in a space station or whatever. It's yeah. like if this one thing happens and you roll bad, that could just end your game. Uh-huh. And that seems like maybe a problem because it's, I don't know. Even in D&D, if you roll badly, like there are things that can like kind of save your ass possibly. And that's usually by like the graces of the DM. Uh-huh. But like, and also just the fact that you can use your imagination to make shit up and like talk yourself out of problems. But like, yeah. It doesn't feel like, from what I saw, it feels like Tharsis is maybe a little too RNG heavy, and that difficulty doesn't feel fair, from what I saw. Mm-hmm. But anyways, sorry, talk more about it. Well, yeah, that's... I you sh- really shouldn't get into it unless you're super okay with a game that's super unfair. Like, yeah. I was just sort of into the idea of this it has like this weird single player board game that you're generally going to lose. Like there's something appealing about a game. You can sort of just hit, hit at and lose quickly and then sort of move on from, and then come back to it later and try it again and then hit it and lose and move on from like there. There's, 
the kinds of solitaire I really like are generally is like four corners where you basically just shuffle the deck and then lose. Although occasionally you can win, like there's a small chance you can win. So it sort of appealed to me, like just as as kind of that. The big thing is, it's kind of easy. Like I can, I just they're clearly they're going to be strategies, and I just don't know them, and you get totally screwed up really easily. So the big thing is like I can survive early days where it's you're basically on a ship and something goes wrong and parts of it are breaking and sometimes those things are if you leave them alone will damage your ship's health bar and if your ship's health bar goes to zero you automatically lose right or they will do something like just take one health away from your entire crew. But the thing is, you get set up not... What's sort of really frustrating about it is that you get set up automatically every game you start where you're already kind of fucked. Where, like, two of your people are already at super low health. Your ship isn't even at full health to start the game. Like, it it starts you out in a real bad place where you're already working from behind. And the thing is, you can spend people on these these actual catastrophes that are happening right now... Or you can spend your time on parts of the ship you need to sort of make yourself better, like to heal someone or to get food. And food really for me right now is the most important thing because that gives you more dice on your next turn based on your food. Like one food gives you three dice per person. And if you don't have food, you're not replenishing your dice and you're not going to have enough rolls to do enough on your next turn. But I haven't found the balance between getting the stuff fixed that you need to get fixed and also finding the time to get people to get food to to do things. So there are other, other weird things where, like, you can turn to cannibalism, and then if you turn to cannibalism, all your dice are bloody for the rest of the game because you've, you've eaten human flesh. They're just weird things. But, uh... Nice. Yeah, it's just it's just sort of intriguing to me, and uh, I, I'm just going to be hammering away for it for a while and losing a lot, but I'm okay with that. I knew what I was getting into basically with this. I guess I see why people got super frustrated with it if they weren't up for that kind of thing. But I mean, as long as you're okay, just getting fucking dicked on, it's okay. It's it's like a thing that has dice in it. That's like a single player board game type thing. Which sometimes is what I want. Yeah, fair enough. I don't know if that's ever what I want. <laughs> fair enough. I'm not sure. Maybe. Maybe one day. Speaking of dicking around, I played Perino Party. I don't that, even know Is uh, that a good is. enough segue? It is an anime game that plays a little bit like Honey Pop. Oh, right. You made a video. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm going with this, is that I talk more in depth about what I hate about this game in that <laughs> video, like specifically okay. with examples on how the gameplay feels like it could be uh, a cool like new way to do the match three gameplay, but kind yeah. of fails. And bec- I don't think it realizes like what you could do with the way they introduce the mechanic. Basically, in that mm-hmm. game, you can move your piece anywhere on the board that you pick Mm up and by doing that you can push other pieces around so you can like pick up a piece and then like push use it to push other pieces to make like 
threes and fours to make like a giant combo when you let that piece go. Oh yeah, isn't isn't that how like puzzles and dragons works? I think. Yeah, I'm sure something like that. I think that's I think that's the game that works like that. Yeah. So this game feels like it tries to do something like that. Like it's a very Japanese game and like just like puzzles and dragons and whatnot. It's a very Japanese style of doing this type of thing. Uh-huh. Um but it doesn't feel like you have really any control on where the pieces go because it's very dependent on where that piece is moving like into the next square. So like if you push a piece from like too high, it'll push it down. If you push it from like the side, it'll push it like aside or whatever as well. Sometimes it'll just switch places with it. It doesn't feel like maybe in just my experience that you can really control that very well. Maybe I'm just bad at it, but that's probably the case. I don't care really, <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, I think if they would have leaned into that mechanic and made it feel smooth and crisp, it would have been a lot better. As mm-hmm. it stands right now, the difference between this and Honey Pop is Honey Pop is a dating sim visual novel with some weird light RPG elements into making your like character stats better to like get the girls. Uh-huh. And it focuses more on the dating sim part and like the thrill of the hunt sort of thing where you're learning about the girls, giving them presents and like finding what things turn them on and stuff like that. This game is literally you do a puzzle to like unlock the visual novel segment where you are slowly getting closer to boning the girl. Uh-huh. And it just seems like that like thrill of like learning a character is gone, which doesn't really matter because these characters are flat anyway. Uh-huh. They are just archetypes of like one of them is like the shy perverted girl. The other one is the like very outspoken loud perverted girl. The other one's like the bitchy girl that is obsessed with porn. Like this is their characteristics where honey pop there's like, they have stereotypes about them, but like they still talk like people with you <laughs> and are uh-huh. consistent in that. Where like the one girl will like appreciate you more if you give like an answer to her that is like say more sweet than like flirty or something like that. There's none of that in this game at all. There's just like a right answer and a wrong answer when it gives you an option. Ah. Uh. Yeah, it's it's just bad. Like it's just not very good at all. I, uh-huh. Again, the problem is is that what they were trying to do was done infinitely better by another game that's cheaper than it. Mm. So I don't know, man. Like there's, I guess the they take the characters in Perino Party from two other visual novels that I'm guessing are big in Japan or whatever, but I have never heard of and can't even find on the internet unless I uh-huh. go to Japanese sites Yeah, called, um, what are they called? Like innocent girl and pure girl or whatever. So if you're really into those visual novels, this is more of those characters, I guess. Also honey pop has voice acting like vision of chaos, uh, is bringing up which is this has voice acting as well it's just all in japanese so if you uh-huh. uh, if you understand japanese then i'm sure it's fine 
To me, however, they all have that, like, silky dance, like, sort of fucking high uh-huh. anime girl voice, and I can't really tell the difference between them, and it's irritating to me. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I should stop this, what I'm talking about now, before it gets into this weird racial thing where all <laughs> Japanese girls sound alike or something. It's not but true. All Japanese anime girls do, though. That's also not true. Yeah, it is. They no. all sound exactly alike. They all sound no. like Yu-Gi-Oh. They all sound like Yu-Gi-Oh? <laughs> I don't actually... Can you tell like... that I've never actually seen Yu-Gi-Oh? <laughs> Never, I've never seen Japanese Yu-Gi-Oh! I've only watched it dubbed, so I can't even yeah, say. Fair enough. Um, But yeah, there is a video on it that I did. Uh, That's something I'm going to try to do more often, mainly to get more practice of just like concisely saying what I like or dislike about a game and showing it off in the game sort of thing. Like It's an old format that everybody does. But I want to get better at talking about that stuff on the fly. Like, it's completely unscripted. There's nothing written about it. It was all off the top. I need more practice doing that when reviewing games. So this is a way I'm trying to do it by just doing, like, a series of videos that are short, even though that one did not end up short. It was apparently 24 minutes. But whatever. Whatever. That's kind of all I've been doing worth talking about so you have a few other things i i remembered another game i played okay which i got the sims 4 and i picked it up on sale specifically because they just i wanted to mess around with their character maker because they just unlocked gender like distinguishing things okay so they made it where now like body type of male or, or female is separate from assigned gender. And then they also made, so you can be a masculine man or a masculine man, a feminine man or a feminine female or a masculine female. They unlocked all like they unlocked, I think most of the clothing for male and females also. And like accessories and stuff like that. You just have free reign in that stuff. Uh, you can set if they can if the character can get pregnant or can impregnate others or is infertile like as a separate thing too. That's weird. That's a weird thing to be able to say. It makes sense in something called The Sims, but it's weird. Yeah. Like it's just they they just unlo- like all the all the things you could do with those right. characters. They just basically unlock them into separate things to allow people to play the game the way they want. And then on top of that, you can like stretch people's bodies the way you want in the way that that character maker works. It's just weird and cool that they did that. It's like the first time I can think of since the fucking Saints Row 2 had a gender slider. Yeah. That like a character creator allowed you that freedom. So that was just fun to mess with. Like I really just got that game to mess to see how that how that worked functionally because I couldn't really find any good information on it that I was satisfied with. I wanted to fiddle around with it myself. That's a weird thing. That is a weird thing. Yeah. I think it's cool that it exists, but I've been, I'm not, I've, I had my time with the Sims. It was when the Sims one exists. Those games have not really changed since then. No, 
whatever. The graphics have, but that's about it. Yeah, they're much. <laughs> graphics are a lot better. Yeah, and Sims Four in particular, they do they they express themselves much better in the face. They're much more expressive characters. Oh, that's cool. So it makes the character creator more fun to mess with, and more fun when you kill them mercilessly. You, also, you get to like pick how they walk. It's just fun. There's just like a bunch of personality stuff you can set to. It's just it's a fun character creator to mess with. That's cool. Even if I don't really have any interest in spending time with the game. Sure. That was a neat thing. Cool. So then there's just a bunch of games I've been messing with that I don't really want to spend too much time talking about, I guess. Yeah, sure. But uh, I played through the most important one. Yeah. Well, maybe not the most important one, but the one I kind of probably have the most to say is about Super Mario Land 2, the six golden coins for the Game Boy. Yeah, which I just real pick- good. Which I just picked up with um, gold coins on the I had from the, the new My Nintendo thing. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. So that's I used that. I got uh, six golden coins with gold coins I had, and then I used the silver coins to get... Uh, which you can either use to get the Zelda Picross thing or WarioWare Touched okay. on 3DS. And for some reason, WarioWare Touched isn't... That's the only way to get WarioWare Touched on the 3DS. It's not in the eShop. Oh. Because it's oh. not a standard virtual console game. Like it, right. it, They did the thing with they did with the uh, GBA games that were part of the Ambassador program where it doesn't have the full like save state functionality that they want their virtual console games to have, but they're okay with putting it out as like a, a giveaway thing. But for some reason they're not, they're not comfortable selling that stuff. Huh? Weird. Cause Nintendo's weird. Yeah. So I, I was, I'm more into having a WarioWare game on my 3ds than a Zelda thing. So I got WarioWare touched, but Mario lands Two six golden coins. When I was a kid, my first system was a Game Boy. My first video game I owned was Mario Land 2. I played the shit out of that game. Uh, I don't actually have my original copy because I fucking lost my Game Boy at one point when I was a kid and got a second one and eventually got another copy of Mario Land 2 because I love that game. Mm-hmm. The games, I, there are so many things that game does that other Mario games don't do that like makes me mad about console Mario games because they're like really simple things that would make Mario games so much cooler if they took, they incorporated them. And it starts with the fucking plot. So one of the things I love about six Mario land two six golden coins is that as a sequel in terms of plot, it's it like totally reconstruct like changes the story on what was happening in the previous game. Because it sets up that the whole quest that Mario went on in Mar- in the original Mario Land to going to Sarasana Land and rescuing Peach from an alien, I forget his name off the top of my head, was all a trap. It was all just to distract Mario on a foreign war while yeah. Mario conquered his homeland of Mario Land and took over. No, I mean, that makes sense, though. And it's and then the final boss from that previous Mario Land game is one of the stage bosses in Mario Land 2. It's oh my just, god. It's so fucking good. It's it's like it's super bare bones in terms of story, but it's so good as like an idea for a sequel. Like not enough stories go, oh, this was all this thing just recontextualized the whole pl- story of the original game for a sequel. 
It's also a weird because it came out. It that game came out after Super Mario World was already out. So there are a bunch of so like fire flowers look like Super Mario World fire flowers. Mario's character model looks like Mario World Mario, and also and like the the big thing with that game though is like it sticks in your mind really well because all the character sprites are really big. There's lots of stuff moving parts, but it's all fucking designed beyond what the Game Boy can handle. That game is like pushing too far. Whereas, like, the original Mario Land made a bunch of choices to keep things simple. Like, the way instead of having uh, Koopas, their shells, like, roll around, it was just a bomb that exploded. Because that's a much easier thing to handle on a Game Boy. And Mario didn't have momentum in Mario Land, really. Um, Whereas he does in Mario Land 2. But you end up just sliding all over the place because... The Game Boy can't really handle it, and as soon as like a couple things are happening on screen, that game has a lot of slowdown really often, and going back to it is actually really hard, because you notice all that shit much stronger than I ever did as a kid. Right. <clears throat> like, I, that's, like, playing that game now, I want a remake of that game that doesn't have any of that slowdown. Like, more than I want a remake of any other game now. <laughs> I want a remake of Mario Land 2. Because also that game, the way it handles its overworld, whereas instead of like with Mario World, it had you have this big sort of expansive overworld with all these paths, kind of, but it's still pretty linear. Whereas with Mario Land, you can go into any area you want from the start of the game, and then that's just a couple stages to play through that, and then you've solved that part of the map, and you can go somewhere else. Like, I just like that structure of, like, the freedom of, like, oh, I want to go do this. Now I want to go to this. I want to do this. I want to go to Halloween land. Yeah. I want to go to space. I want to go. Halloween land is so good. Or I want to go to the land that's a big house where it's (laughs) all ants. And I'm really tiny. I'm trying to look. Where did you get this from using the My Nintendo stuff? I don't see this game. Or did they take it out, maybe? Maybe they just switched it out recently? Because I see Zelda Twilight Princess Peacross here. Yeah, they must have just changed it. That's too bad. I I already own it, but I was just going to say for other people, you should check it out because that's a great game. Yeah, that is a great... It's super good. First video game. Yeah, they switched it out for a bunch of Wii U stuff, it looks like. How do you get gold coins using my Nintendo? You only get gold coins by buying digital games. Okay. It's actually fucked their new system because you don't get anything for buying retail copies of games. You only get the points for buying digital games. It's yeah, it's actually fucked. It's especially fucked considering their like default memory cards and shit are way too low. I mean, yeah, it's particularly the fucking Wii U does not have enough system memory at all. No, like, I have I a giant fucking SD card in my 3DS now. It, well, but, now. The, what I'm saying is the default you didn't. <laughs> well, I mean, I had one for a long time because I had bought one for, like, the Wii. And I've, right. like, transferred it over or something. Like, SD cards got cheap enough at some point that I had. And I already actually had a, a micro SD card I had in a an adapter for a bigger one that was super big, like from a long time ago that was pretty cheap. 
Like SD cards got cheap enough at a point, right? That doesn't have a problem with, but you can't do that on the Wii U. You need a fucking external hard drive and they want you to power it. It's fucking insane. Yeah. It makes me not want to buy anything digital on the Wii U, even virtual console stuff. It just makes me not want to have that. Whereas I'm inclined to want some of that stuff on, on 3DS sometimes. Yeah, that stuff's fucked. Yeah. But uh, Mario Land 2, like super interesting game and has all these weird types of enemies that aren't in any other Mario games. Like the fucking Jason Goomba type things that's just like a Jason skull mask with a knife shoved into its head and little feet. That's an enemy. In a Mario game. I don't remember that. It's in Halloween Land. <clears throat> He's real hmm. cool. He has a knife shoved into his head at all times. Hmm. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. It's pretty great. Pretty great. I do remember liking Halloween Land. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I've played that game enough that I, I can just beat that game in sitting almost. Like it, it's pretty easy because I have it all memorized in terms of muscle memories but that that last level is pretty pretty good in terms of it's fucking long you have to do it in one shot and beat wario like three times it's a good final challenge mm-hmm. those are fun games the mario land games yeah those are my those that's when i think of mario i think of the mario land games because that's what i owned growing up those are the ones i really played the most i didn't really play the console ones till till later in terms of really beating them. I'd mess around with them at friends' houses, but really it was the Game Boy ones that I have the affection for. And fucking nobody talks about Game Boy games. No, I mean, in a lot of true. cases, because they're kind of... Like, if you came from console stuff... The they're kind of, kind of old, busted, don't hold up well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... God damn it. That's the big thing I'll say, is I think... The games that I think, Game Boy games that are Mario-related, that I think hold up much better. I mean, Mario Land, I don't think is as great a game as Mario Land 2, but it runs much better. Like, they made sure that game ran really good on the Game Boy. Right. So at least it's functional. Wario Land has a much slower pace than a Mario game, so it works a lot better on the Game Boy. And that charge just feels good. That's actually, like, my favorite Game Boy game. And maybe my favorite platformer is Wario Land. The original, just in terms of, but a lot of that's nostalgia. Um, and then Donkey Kong '94 is really good, and that's has the simplicity of being more of a puzzle game. But it gave Mario, like, it took the Donkey Kong formula and then gave Mario like cool flips and stuff you can do. So there's like a the speed to the way you can move vertically through a level that other Mario games don't have. That you can do like handstands and triple jumps, and that game runs good too. In terms of cool Game Boy games. Yeah, no, for sure. I agree with you. So, moving on to the other thing. I, I just ha- I had a need to play some Persona 4 Dancing All Night. Okay, I sure. was watching you play Persona 4. It's like, man. I just want to dance with these people. I just want to fucking have some fun. Yeah. I was also playing some Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix, and I was like, man, I, just, I needed something a little deeper. Sure. Like the gameplay here is a little too simple. 
a little too surface level and gimmicky. I need yeah. just a fucking good ass rhythm game. So I played a bunch of Persona 4 Dancing All Night and did some because I there's still courses I haven't beat on harder difficulties and I'm trying to get all the fucking there's a there's a thing where you have to get you do the fever dan- like you hit a fever with all the characters all the support characters on all the tracks and they're like missing like one and I don't know what it is and I can't figure out what it is so I have to like play them all over again it's super frustrating in terms of trying to 100% stuff in that game which is like what I have to do this like <laughs> if I'm looking for things to do there's still greater challenges but they're all fucking insane at this point yeah I think I'm down to like one I'm down to only one like silver medal left where for all the the in-game challenges they have like ranks of bronze silver gold and then black and I'm down to like two silvers but one of them is just getting that other thing to gold and then I won't have no silvers left but that's Hmm. yeah and I've got a bunch of blacks also but one of them's like getting a ridiculous amount of gold. Like just fucking absurd. So that one might never happen. But I don't know. I keep playing that game. I've played a lot of it already. That game's fucking dope. It's just fun and joyous. Yeah. And I get to I want hear it. I get to hear the Juness theme with lyrics. God damn it. And see Nanako dance. Oh and, Nanako. Uh, yeah, put people in silly costumes. That sounds like the most important thing. The costumes are super important. I feel like I'm going to go into this weird spiral when I'm done Persona 4 where I'm going to look into like Arena and like everything that like these characters have ever been in. There's the two fighting games. Yeah. There's Persona Q, which is like an Etrity and Odyssey game plus Persona. Yeah. I heard I should actually play that game because I would probably like it since I like that style of game. Yeah, if you like that style of game, for sure. It's super good. I just... The the fucking dungeon grinding was too much for me. So I haven't played more of right. it. But it's... And, it's, and it, it's like a side story, not canon thing in terms of story. It, it's very fun and frivolous, but it wasn't wasn't what I wanted. But it has the characters, right? Yeah, it has the That's characters. That's kind of all it, I care about. And it also has the characters from Persona 3. three yeah. Who I don't care about. Right. But the, the part of what I love about Dancing All Night is that it's both super fun and frivolous and like a, like the most a sequel of any of the games that it's like the characters have gone through that shit and now they're basically better people and stronger so they can handle this easily. Like there's just something so satisfying about being there rather than like going back after having beaten the game and playing with them. Like while they're still in the middle of that stuff. Yeah. And the, the problem with the fighting games is it's a lot of, it just feels like retreading stuff, even though it takes place after they sort of go over a bunch of the same sort of ideas again. Although there's some good funny stuff in there too. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I've been playing fucking Overwatch, but fuck like fuck. Whatever. I feel like 
I'm going to give it a little bit more time, but I feel like competitive will be a little bit better once, like, like, the thing is, when we went into it, everybody in the world of different skill levels were, like, still going through and getting their placements. Oh, I'm sure it's... Like, it's even out now, probably. It's fucked. And I, I think if you're... Particularly, I think if you're playing, making sure you're not playing with anyone else who's in placement anymore, and the matchmaking can actually try and find you someone on even skill level, it could be fine. Yeah, because the that game, the just the matchmaking was fucked during placement. There are too many people who weren't matched at all, yeah. and like even going back and jumping in with one person who still was in placement, it was still matching us with all people in placement. And I just wonder if that's if that's true if your whole team is out of placement, and maybe just. A lot of people are out of placement if they're still playing competitive at this point, maybe. Yeah. And hopefully that stuff's ironed out a bit. Yeah. That's... It seems like people have mostly been complaining about competitive. Yeah. Do you think Which... a lot of it's because, <sighs> like, these people haven't played, like, a comp- a really competitive game before? Like Dota or, like, Leak uh, or something? I don't fucking know. <laughs> it's so hard to tell because I just feel like people use Overwatch to complain all the time. Like, so many people just yeah. whine about that game, and I don't get it, because why would you whine about that game? That game is just about having fun. That's what makes it work. Fucking yeah. who cares about balance or shit? Just fucking do it. Yeah, <laughs> so, I agree. Yeah, have fun. Uh, kind of on that topic, I've been wanting to get play a little bit of Dota again. The urge hit me a little bit. Nice. I don't know if I'm going to. Just yeah. letting you know that if I do, you might be getting a message saying get on Dota. Yeah. Yeah, if I'm around, I definitely jump in. My my biggest problem with Dota is like playing Dota now doesn't scratch my Dota itch because I'm so out of practice that I'm not even like playing Dota comparatively to what I was when I was in it. Right. It's like I'm playing at a, so much a lower level compared to just where I was just because I have to. Right. And mostly because I'm playing with friends who haven't played it also as much as I have a lot of the times. But, um, yeah. I do kind of miss Dota. I will say. It could be fun, though. Yeah. Especially if we went in actually trying a little bit. Yeah. Like, not like try hard, but like but taking like, it a little more seriously than you take yeah. heroes, for example. <laughs> I mean, I honestly take heroes pretty seriously when I play by myself, and I'm right. doing Hero League. Like, I've gotten into looking up. Like, that's. I mean, I take it as serious. I try to take it as seriously as Chew Eight takes it. Is my goal. Like, he is my role model. And right. Stuff is dumb, and you're trying to have fun, but like, there's a lot of technical stuff to learn. About sure. how, how stuff works, which is what I like. I like learning stuff and trying harder. And that was why Dota was fucking great, because I was always learning. Oh, you never stop learning that fucking game. So, yeah. So that's sort of the pro- problem with jumping back in is like, I'm, I'm try- I just having to relearn stuff I used to know for the most part. And then there's like some stuff like, what is this? It's this just different. What's going on? Weird. I don't, I don't like it. It's different. Nah. Yeah. Also, just like games 
when I'm just when I've just jumped into games, they just have they don't have that fucking feel. It's none of the I don't know. It's got no meta. It's got no rhythm of the game. Isn't there when I've played? It's hard to get back to that point apparently without going through the grind of getting the full group of people who know what they're doing and have yeah. been play and play every day basically. But yeah. yeah. Also, Payday 2. Yeah, Payday 2 <laughs> happened. We played Payday 2 again. That game is still fun. Yeah. It's, uh... It feels dated now, though. Like, it didn't take long, but it actually... You can tell that's an older game now. The big thing I miss after having played Siege is the lean. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of wish I had a lean to peek around corners. Yeah. I mean, the... I wish you yeah. could ping... A position. I wish, the sh- I wish the shooting. I wish going heavy were any good at all. Yeah, it's just not good. It's not fun. Yeah, like enemies just spawn in over and over and over and over. Yeah, we need a better group, maybe. Probably. <laughs> Probably. I think that's it with games, though. That's about it with games. Yeah. Although. Actually, quickly, I'm going to talk about this book, which is kind of like a game. Okay. Because it's a choose-your-own-adventure book. Oh, good. Okay. It's uh, Romeo and or Juliet. A I was interested in this, actually. Adventure. So okay. this is actually, it's by, so it's by Ryan North, who his big thing was he did the webcomic Dinosaur Comics. He also wrote the uh, Adventure Time comic for a while, for like okay. over 20 issues, and he wrote. He currently writes the Squirrel Girl comic for Marvel. And he, before this, he wrote the book, he wrote a Hamlet Chunzer an adventure book, which was on Kickstarter, which was one of the few Kickstarters I've backed. And I also, that book is also out on Steam. Weird. Alright. And I own it on Steam just because I own it like a physical copy of that book and I own it on Steam because that's a dumb thing. It's yeah. kind of basically like an audiobook version of that because it has someone reading it. Okay. So it's I mean it's it's just he's very he's a very funny writer is like the main key to this. It's very very silly but like it starts with you picking choosing your character. So in okay. this you choose Romeo or Juliet in Hamlet, you chose Hamlet, Ophelia, or King Hamlet's ghost. I mean, you gotta go Ophelia every time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so in and also these books are full of um, illustrations by like all his his connections through web comics of knowing a lot of talented artists. Sure, the book is full of of a lot of great great art. It sounds and cool, this, actually. And this book is it's sort of worked in a little better because uh it was sort of last minute that that book that uh hamlet got art and a lot of it was just like full color spreads for the endings put in and a lot most of the art is really it just comes on endings where like every time you hit a, a a dead end then you get a drawing for it but it's much better integrated sort of into the book and it's not like these big glossy full page things it's sort of it's just integrated into it a bit better it also doesn't hold to making each chapter each like section a separate page it just has numbered sections so that they can 
fit more easily into the book because some of them are super short. It also does this thing. So this Romeo and Juliet book in it, uh, Juliet is super into like being tough and working out. It's okay. Weird and funny. It's just huh. it's it's a goofy thing. Like I hit a a thing that was, oh, you hit the the nurse's side quest thing, and then it was like the book played like it was a old school like text adventure game where it was like go okay. north and go south were like my options. <laughs> that kind of stuff. So that was cool. And like the text, the font had changed to like a, a computer type font. Like it's just, it's just goofy in a lot of ways and funny. And like the premise of it is like that this is the original book and William Shakespeare just took the, most boring path possible through it. <laughs> and he's clearly a plagiarizer of Ryan North. It's just <laughs> dumb, dumb gimmicks. So it's, just, it's a, it's a very funny book and it's a really, really like comp deep and good choose your own adventure thing to flip through. Cool. Like, I really like it. I really like it. And, and the, the Hamlet book that came before. Which was to be or not to be, I think. Which one would you recommend if I were to get one? Uh, if you were to get one? I really am not sure. Okay. They're, they're pretty, pretty on par for me. They're pretty okay. on par for me. Cool. Yeah. Should we talk about yeah. movies? Yeah, I can move on to movies. You have a lot here, so... Yeah. So... Uh, I will say I've written reviews for all these movies up on Burning Barrel. They all have a review on Burning Barrel now. Okay. So if you want, want some... If people want some additional thoughts, if I don't cover something here, there might it might be in the review. Yeah, like the last one here is you put up just today or yesterday, right? Yeah, just yesterday, yeah. I think. Was yesterday, but yeah, yeah it, it was super recent. I finally got the Conjuring Two review done. I just had a little bit of writer's block getting that one done. Sure, I got over it. Uh, so first movie I'll talk about X Men Apocalypse. Yeah, it's just it's okay. Like I enjoyed it okay while watching it, but after I was done, it's kind of like that kind of sucked, and I'm kind of mad. Right, but like again, I kind of had an okay time watching it. It's just so fucking like dour it's not any fun a lot of it's just reach it's a lot of retreading um like there's a whole big retread of the quicksilver sequence from the previous movie that's just yeah. hey let's just do that again but like longer <laughs> weird all right <laughs> it's like just feels super lazy uh, apocalypse is a super boring villain but he's always been a super boring villain. Yeah, I agree. Like that's just it's par for the course. But like the actor they got to play him, uh, Oscar Isaac, I think is a great actor. But he brings nothing. You could have had anyone playing that behind that makeup and that fucking monotone character. Like it's just it's just a boring character. Um. It's just kind of, it's also kind of all over the place. Like, it kind of wants to try and be every kind of X Men story, but it, it gives so little time to any 
piece of it that nothing feels satisfying. And also like the the young fun characters that are supposed to be like add energy to it are like fucking Cyclops and Jean Grey. Oh like, wow. All and, right. And Nightcrawler. And Jubilee is in the movie just to take them to a mall that you never get to see. It's only off screen and then she's out of the movie suddenly, which is super weird. That's pretty funny. <laughs> It's All right. Fucking like, oh, there's Jubilee, and then she took the characters to a mall off screen, and now she's gone. Is it just kind of like, come on, let's go? And then like five then hours them, later, like, and you they see just, them like, driving back. back as the mansion is exploding because of plot. And she's not there. And she's just in the car, but then she never oh. gets any lines or anything. And then she's just not in the movie anymore after that. Weird. It's huh. weird. But I mean, retreat. Retreading fucking movie Jean Grey and movie Cyclops is super boring. Like, yeah, that's just lame. Yep. Like Agreed. Cyclops is actually a character in modern comics. I think has come farther than fucking any other comic book character I can think of. Where they've like he basically went became the new Magneto. So they like they've like and there's like from the early two thousands to now there's been a lot of work done with that character to make him super interesting and, and insane. And like cool. one of my favorite comic book characters, but like having, going these movies and seeing the fucking Cyclops, like, like from my youth, like from that nineties yeah. X-Men cartoon that just fucking sucks. Just like the pseudo leader of the X-Men, yeah. even though like everybody knows he's not cool. Yeah. Including him. Really? Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's like a lot of Cyclops is he's like super repressed. I'll never be Wolverine. Oh, gosh. There's also a fucking random ass Wolverine section in this movie that is like entirely pointless and Great. like might have been cool if this movie had been a movie where like Wolverine stabbing someone was like a thing instead of like, oh, no, he put his claws in that guy. And now that guy lies down on the ground with no blood. <laughs> weird oh that's fucking weird yeah like that's the, the my biggest thing of like doing these comic book movies where they they're like for all ages really so they don't their action fucking blows like yeah the action and just all the action in this movie fucking sucks it's either like sw giant swirling cgi things that aren't intelligible or just bad Great and lame. Great, but I mean, I like the like the actors they got for first class are really fucking good actors, so they kind of carry a bunch of it. Like Michael Fassbender is a good actor. Fucking what's his name? Who plays Professor X is pretty good. I like Jennifer Lawrence, but like they're not given anything good to work with. Really, yeah. Magneto has some okay, has some good moments, but like again, the movie's very fractured and it doesn't have any cohesion. It's hard. It's very hard to recommend because it's just a slog for the most yeah. part. I mean, it's why I didn't go see it because yeah. everybody's saying that basically. Yeah, pretty much. Again, if you have low expectations and you you see it at home, it, you might be okay. Yeah, I'll definitely see it at home. Yeah, like that. That you could have an okay time with it, I would say, but uh, mm -hmm. definitely have low expectations. Gotcha. Uh, is the wailing. I don't even know what this is. This is a uh, Korean horror movie. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like it. Sure. 
It's super good. Huh. Or, so my my one complaint with it is the main character isn't likable at all. So is he at some point, to be? No. But okay. at some point, it's like, I'm less invested in this movie than I... Like, that puts a ceiling on the movie where I don't really care what the fuck happens to him because he's super unlikable. Like, he just fucking walks right into everything that fucking happens to him, pretty much. So that kind of puts a ceiling on how much I can like the movie, but it's very good. It's very well done. Hmm. Okay. Uh, the acting's really good. And it, like, the big thing is, like, it, it all, everything in this movie feels very natural. Like, the right, way people right. react to the stuff that happens feels like the way people would react to it, which is sometimes just fucking going what the fuck was that and sometimes it's going just freaking out over a very little thing like there's a great scene of the two the main character is a police officer and there's a great scene of him and someone else being in the police station during a thunderstorm and the power goes out and then just a naked woman appears at the door and they just start fucking screaming (laughs) and it's just it's just good but like there's like a point where you like kills a dog and then you're like I really don't give a shit about you anymore dude you fucking deserve everything you get so what what's the premise in this movie where's the horror coming from so it's basically there's this there's like a been a case of murders around town where someone's getting sick and then going insane and killing their whole family and it happens like a couple times. Okay. Hmm. So like eventually it works out like there's like a mystery that plays out along what's going on here. Cool. Okay. Like this cop is like investigating it. So I don't want to I don't want to say too much. But, no, uh, for sure. But that's the kind of thing. There's like there's like that sort of setup of like this small small like sort of um rural town. There are like echoes of like stuff that's in Persona Four in terms of that stuff of just like cops who are pretty bad at their jobs investigating stuff that's kind of beyond them in terms of that hmm. stuff. And there's a lot of rain in the movie. The movie makes really good use of rain. Cool. Like it's it's an easy horror movie to recommend. It's just it it's not going to be like it's stopped from being like one of my favorite movie horror movies ever. Because I really don't give a shit about the main character. He's a piece of fuck. He's like, just fuck him. <laughs> um, right. So, next movie I saw was Independence Day Resurgence. Oh, the one with Will Smith in it, right? Nope. Yeah. No Will Smith. Yeah, that's why I haven't seen it. No Will Smith. It's got Jeff Goldblum. Is he in it a lot? He's in as much as anyone is in a fucking Roland Emmerich movie. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, the big problem is like the, they try to replace Will Smith's character with it's so you kind of think they're going to try and replace Will Smith's character with the character who's his son or, okay. or rather it's like stepson really the son of Vivica Fox from the first movie who wasn't his son, but whatever. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, But really, a lot of that work goes to... They put a lot of that 
character just into Liam Hemsworth, who's okay. like another fighter pilot, and Liam Hemsworth just sucks. Liam wow. Hemsworth has All sucked right. in every movie he's been in, like The Hunger Games, where he plays the other guy. Is that true? Has he sucked in every movie? I mean, every movie I've seen him in. I've mostly just seen him in the Hunger Games movies over and over again, and he really sucks there. I don't know what else he's in, to be honest with you. I don't I don't think he's in that much. Okay, fair enough. But, dude, is he lame? And spending... And the problem is, again, these are, like, he's part of the characters that are, like, the fun part of the movie, that they're the young up-and-comers. And I just fucking hate them. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't work at all. This movie also sequel baits so fucking hard. Oh my god, did they want to make another one? <laughs> they they want to make this into a franchise, which I don't think they're gonna do because I think this movie kind of tanked. But um, weren't people kind of excited about this movie, or was that just kind of like people from know. our generation just being like? Yeah, I'll watch another one of those and then probably not doing it like I did. I mean, I think mostly it was people who assumed Will Smith was going to be in it were excited about it. Gotcha. Okay. Like, anecdotally, when, like, I've talked to people who were excited about it and then I told them Will Smith wasn't going to be in it and they're like, oh, why? Yeah. Why are they making that? You just see the life drain out of their eyes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, is it any good? <laughs> okay, so what it is, is it's actually much less a Roland Emmerich movie than, than like, his stuff he was making when he was just making the same movie over and over again. Oh, you it's, mean always? No, he also made, like, fucking Anonymous, which is about, like, Shakespeare not writing Shakespeare plays or something. <laughs> like, he, weird. he took a weird turn. For, well, he took a break from making those movies after they had stopped doing good. But um, this is much more generic sci-fi. To the point where, okay. like, by the end, it's super, super dumb. Okay. But it's not, <clears throat> but not fun good enough. Dumb. No, it's actually really good dumb. It's just oh. overall too dreary and not fun enough. And when it is trying to be fun, it's with the characters I hate. Okay. Whereas, like, the characters I'm sort of into, it's either super cringe or dour and not fun. Huh. And just kind of boring or whatever. Like, Jeff Goldblum's subplot is super boring. Um, fucking, what's his name? The fucking, he was, he was like the, the scientist guy in the last movie, and he, he was Data on Star Trek. I actually forget the actor's name. Oh. I actually thought fucking died in Independence Day, but apparently he was just in a coma till now. He's in this movie, and his stuff, he's so fucking wacky, it's pretty cringeworthy. Like, I can't... It didn't... doesn't work. Okay. It's really fucking weird. But, um... They set up... a. It's also super infuriating that this movie hits all the beats of Independence Independence Day like super, in a super boring way and then at the end they like tease a plot of like a much crazier movie that they should have just made instead of this one hmm. where it's like 
hey, you should come to our crazy planet where we just train people to fight these aliens. You can lead us to victory. Like, that sounds fucking nuts. But yep. nope, we don't get that movie. And I really don't even want you to be able to make that movie if you decide, if your choices led to making this one instead. Kind of fuck you. <laughs> There's this fucking ridiculous thing. Like, oh, I forget, I, again, forgetting the actor's name, but the guy who played uh, Jeff Goldblum's dad in the last movie. Yeah, the old fucking, Jewish guy. The old Jewish guy. That's what there's he fucking, plays in everything. So. There's a fucking scene where he's on a boat in like the Hudson Bay, and there's an alien spaceship coming right down on him, and they're giant waves, and it's like, okay, he's dead, and he doesn't die. And when you when I see him not dead later, I'm like, how the what the fuck are you doing, movie? <laughs> this Why is, is this, this guy alive terrible. to travel around with some random kids in a bus? That happens. Like, the only character that dies in this movie is fucking Vivica Fox in a hilarious scene where, like, a building swallows her after she helps get people from a hospital off a bus. Because also, since the first movie, Vivica Fox's character has gone from being a stripper to being a doctor. I mean, yeah. That's what happens when you go to night classes. So she fulfills the doctor role in a Roland Emmerich movie of making sure to get that one patient out and then dying. Great. It's fucking... But, like, again, there's a super dumb thing that happens near the end that's fucking super dumb that I was like, okay, if this movie had been more fun, this actually would have been cool in just a dumb sci-fi, like, super generic sci-fi movie kind of way, but it's just not fun enough to get you to that point. That sucks. Oh, well. (laughs) Can't win them all, I guess. I don't know. I didn't fucking... Again, I didn't hate it, but I can't recommend it at all. If you have it, like, on Netflix and just sort of fast-forward through a bunch of it and get to the super dumb part, it wouldn't be a complete waste of your time. That's I just want to watch Independence Day 1. That would be a much better use of your time. Independence Day 1 has... It's just fucking... All the like little calculations... like The balancing is all good on that super dumb thing. It's like all tuned correctly of just being charming. The right level of dumb to be charming. And it's also super nostalgic. That's a, another plus. But that movie's just good. It, it's, it's dumb and bad, but it's good. Right. I agree. The dog lives. It's the important thing. Right. Of course. Buster. Is that his name? Boomer? Yeah, Boomer. Sure. I think it's Boomer. Was it? I don't remember. It's I something. Tr- it's something. Who fucking cares? <laughs> Next movie. It's the Purge election year. Yeah. The How third, is it? third Purge movie. It's really good. Okay. It's good. basically it's a direct sequel to uh, the second Purge movie. I still haven't was, seen that yet. Which was completely different from the first movie. I have seen like, that one. It was like let's take this lame uh, home invasion movie that had an interesting premise and let's make a movie where we just take that premise and then make a Punisher movie based around that premise. Yeah. So in this movie. It, it's like 
sort of doing that again, but sort of blowing it out where in that movie, he was just a dude out on, on purge night armed to the teeth and then decided he had to save some people where now he's uh, the head of security for a Senator running for president. Who's trying to end the purge. Okay. And then because it looks like she could possibly win the evil old white dudes that run the country decide, nope, we got to kill this bitch. And right. they, they get rid of the, the laws that ban people from purging uh, like high-ranking of political officials. No one is safe from the purge. That sounds like a bad idea if you're a political official. Doesn't it? Yeah. Doesn't it, though? Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. There's like, there's great stuff of how, like, them being religiously devoted to the purge. It's just the, it's like, they're just super into the purge, man. Into murdering people. Right. It's super goofy. But, um, the big thing with, with this one compared to the, the last movie is I really like the action in the last movie, and the action in this one isn't quite as good, but this has actually a better script. Like there's just a there's a lot of good dialogue in this movie. The, like the supporting oh. cast in the fir- in the last one was just sort of there, yeah. like they were just they were the people he had to follow around and made his life harder. But and this is like more of a group. This is more of a group, and they're much, much more capable all around. Cool. And you you kind of care about all of them and like them. And there's a lot of funny jokes. The the line. That it was like, all right, all right, movie, you got me. It was like this random character who actually not part of the cast, but like early on, it's like, like I wasn't listening. I ain't thinking about nothing but waffles and pussy. Great. All right, <laughs> like you got me. And also, like the big thing with the Purge movies is because they're action movies that came from a horror franchise, they can do the blood and violence stuff that general action movies made in America don't get to do anymore. Right. So it makes this action much better than your your, your get from most uh American Well, cuz they set the precedence for that in the first one. Yeah. So in like in the MPAA eyes, anybody who saw the Purge 1 knows what they're getting into. Just do it, whatever. Yep. That's oh, dumb. They're... That's a dumb thing. Every it's... movie should just be allowed to do whatever they want. Yep, but no. So this movie gets to be to be violent in the right way for cool. an action movie. Well, that's good. So that's that's a big plus. And it's just, you know, you get you basically it's it's just a good sequel. It like blows out the plot, it makes it like the stakes are raised in the right ways. Characters are likable. Like it's just I like the script. Like it's just it was a good movie. I had a good time. Cool. Not my favorite movie of the year, but it was good. I still have to see the second one. I do want to see it, but yeah. Again, if, and if people terms. don't, if if you don't like the second one, don't see the third one. Like it's a very similar movie, but uh, gotcha. Starring the same character, but uh, yeah. So next is uh, now you see me, the second act. Yeah, um, I kind of liked the first one in this weird. Like, I'm trying to describe how the first one is to anybody who hasn't seen Now You See Me. It's okay. like Ocean's Eleven, only with magic tricks. <laughs> and way dumber. 
Oh, that dude, movie is so dumb. fucking dumb. Yeah. Like, I feel like I like it, but I feel kind of like, uh, but it's so stupid. Yeah. This movie is stupider. But in a bad way? It's or in the same like, way? Kind of the same way. Weird. Okay. But um, also, like, this, it becomes really clear why this movie exists, because there's, like, a big subplot of them being in Macau. Okay. So it's like, oh, the first movie must have been really popular in China or something. Oh, <laughs> I can see a, that. It's taking a long time of spending time in China. And then there are a lot of weird, ana- like, anachronisms that shouldn't be. Like, the end of the movie is in London. And the only police force that there seems to be the fucking FBI. Well, I mean, that makes sense because they're no longer part of the EU. So somebody's (laughs) got to run that damn country. Fucking. And it like. Topical. And it like you, you if having seen the first one, you know, the kinds of twists this movie is going to take and they're super dumb. Same type of twist? It's the same kind of thing. Like, okay. it's just like rhythmically, you've sort of, you just kind of know. Yeah, it's not really throwing out curveballs. Okay. But the big thing, one of the big things is they have a new character who's the twin of Woody Harrelson's character, okay. but just evil. It's his evil twin. So he, he just pl- works by the bad guys just himself? because he hates Woody Harrelson. Yeah, there's just, just playing two characters this time. I have to see this movie. <laughs> that sounds so dumb. It's so dumb. Then also, it still does the thing where it will like meticulously describe how a trick worked, but never how they had the time to set any of that up. Like. Like these very complicated things, and this is how exactly how it worked. But it makes absolutely no sense that they had the time and resources to set any of that stuff up. But that's not important. Weird, huh? It's super dumb. Also, they traded out, um, both the female leads from the last movie are gone. They've been traded out. Oh, um. What's her name? The wife to uh, Borat. Right? Isn't that her? Borat's wife. What the hell's her name? Oh. I, don't remember. I don't remember who Borat's wife was. God damn it. I'm looking it up. Okay. Anyways. Okay, so she's gone. I like her, too. Yeah, or so. I did, I guess. Yeah, Isla Fisher. Yeah, Isla Fisher. And, uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure she's Borat's wife. She was born in Muscat, Oman. That's amazing. (laughs) I had no idea. I'm learning so much about Isla Fisher tonight. Nice. Yeah, spouse, Sasha Baron Cohen. Okay. They have three kids together. Anyways, I like her. But she's gone, so whatever. She's gone, and they... Uh, Liz, Lizzie Kaplan. 
is is yeah is okay. Dead. I don't mind Lizzie Kaplan. She was in Mean Grills, which is like my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> and weirdly enough, Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine are also back. Okay, sure. and they add in Daniel Radcliffe. As Gross. All right. You know, he seems like he fits. There's really dumb stuff with like the plot of his character. Like it's super dumb, but I don't I don't need to go into it. All right. Uh, it's like spoilers, but like I don't I don't care, but it's just I let's just move on. Like it's just Does, does Mark is- Ruffalo do some crazy magic? Mark Ruffalo does some crazy magic. People do crazy magic. Except Woody Harrelson? Like, there's just a part of the movie where it's just like Woody Harrelson's evil brother shows up. It's like, ah, you don't get to do your magic show because I'm here. Because I'm just a dick. To be fair, even in the first one, he doesn't really do magic so much as he scams people. Hypnotizes people. Yeah. He's a scammer. It's just a weird thing where, like, they set up in the plot that he's going to do his part of the show over here, but then what he ha- his evil brother shows up. His fucking evil brother, who it makes no sense he's working for the bad guys, except he's clearly hates Woody Harrelson. So, if you were gonna be working against Woody Harrelson, you would, might as well just hire his brother to work for you because all he wants to do over is screw over his brother. I mean, I know that <laughs> feeling. Uh. He has like fake hair and just super white teeth in that in his evil form. In his evil form. That's yeah. so good. <laughs> Still Woody Harrelson playing him. Playing this isn't game. even my final form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, in stark contrast to that, the next movie. <laughs> So the next movie is another horror movie. It's The Conjuring 2, which is fucking great. Uh, it's, uh, the Conjuring was directed by James Wan, who makes a lot of horror movies, and is a good director, but produces a lot of really bad horror movies. Yeah. Produced by James Wan is fucking means don't see it. Directed by James Wan is like, that's pretty good. Uh... The Conjuring yeah. Two is actually better than the first movie. This is a this is this is my favorite horror movie of the year out of the, the two I've seen. But it's really good. I really is the like Conjuring, the Conjuring One. 2. Worth seeing. It is. It's like, good. Actually, okay. It's ju- it's just a solid horror movie. It's not like groundbreaking or anything, but it's it's good. You want to see a movie about you know like a house possession type movie where a mom wants to murder her children? Wait, what did it's he good. produce that you didn't like? He, he just produced a bunch of sh- He's produced a lot. Well, I mean, he's produced, like, all of the saws. Yeah, but I he, there's just a lot of fucking no-name uh, horror movies. Honestly, he just seems to be the type of dude that, like, when he hit it big with Saw, like, was just like, I have a bunch of money now. I want to, like help other people try to do some horror stuff and maybe he just chose poorly <laughs> i don't know i never <laughs> saw stuff that he like produced and didn't direct so i have no idea i've only seen uh, i mean again i mostly I mostly avoid the stuff but it's i see trailers for what look like really awful horror movies 
Fair enough. Like fucking lights out looks really fucking bad, and I'm getting that trailer a lot. Like the only movies I've seen that have his name attached on them at all were obviously Saw, uh, Dead Silence, Insidious, and I think that's it. I can't think of anything else he's done. Quickly look up here. I mean, he the uh, he produced Annabelle, which is a spin-off of The Conjuring, which like Annabelle. took which took the creepy doll from The Conjuring oh. and made a whole movie about it. That's right. Like, that that looks super bad. Isn't that basically just like Dead Silence wasn't that good either? Yeah, I don't know if you ever. I saw mean, it. it was. It's just like let's. <laughs> Like, it's just the premise of, like, who would fucking buy this doll? Because he made, like, the creepiest fucking doll. Yeah. And it's, like, a throwaway... It's, like, a side thing in The Conjuring, where it's, like, oh, and there was this evil doll case. But we don't need to tell you that story, because that's not the important story. It's just sort of part of the story that this doll exists. And, like, making a whole movie about that it feels like missing the point of why that worked in The Conjuring. And so it's just a frustrating thing that happened. That sure. That movie. Sure. Okay. But he didn't even, and he didn't even direct it. He just produced it. So that that puts a bad taste in my mouth. And this, I'm getting this trailer for fucking Lights Out over and over again, which looks really bad. Okay. I haven't seen the trailer. I don't go yeah. see movies every week either, though. So. Yep. But The Conjuring Two is really, really good. Uh, okay. The it's much more like there's a lot more like ambition and like interesting technique in it than the first movie whereas the first movie just feels very solid this feels like it's trying stuff and it's got a lot of great shots and it has some good like effects in it too and that's partly because this movie has like twice the budget of the first conjuring like it's not a huge budget this this had a budget of like 40 million whereas the first was like 20 million but it makes a big difference Hmm. Uh, also the big thing with this movie is the people being possessed, the family being possessed, they're much more likable than the family in the last movie. The particularly the girl who's like the main person being possessed this time is really good and carries a, a good chunk of the movie. Um that's the big thing. Like the I just the two main characters uh who are uh like it's it's basically the story of this movie of The Conjuring 2 is it's the London version of Amity. Like the movie, it's, it's about those same characters that the Amityville horror is sort of about of the, the investigators right. or, who are real people and they just keep making horror movies about them. And this is like the London version of Amityville that is the kind of the story. Okay, cool. But so it's the main characters are played by Vera from Formiga and Patrick Wilson and I just think they're really good and they have really good on-screen chemistry and it's always refreshing to see like fucking happily married characters in a movie who just fucking love each other yeah that doesn't happen enough no and it's like because you it's great because you get like the the romantic moments where like they connect and have emotional connections but without all the fucking bullshit that like fucking romantic movies are always built around like you get to skip all that, so yeah. it's it's that just a fucking good. asset. Yeah, 
and I really, I just really like Patrick Wilson as an actor, mostly because he was in, he was like the star of Bone Tomahawk, which was my favorite movie last year. Oh, here we go again. Which was another movie where he played a happily married man who just loved his wife. Which is funny to me. Cool. There should so be more of those. Yeah. So it's like, so this is a really good horror movie that's also has, you know, it has its moments where it's funny. It has like the confidence that it can be a horror movie that also has time for sappy moments when it wants to do them and still hit the horror notes really hard. Like it's just a well-balanced movie. Cool. It's really good. I got to check the first one out first. It also has a good, good little mystery element to it in terms of what's actually going on. It's got neat things. Hmm. The first one's pretty straightforward in terms of just being good possession movie. Like it's just a solid horror movie. Yeah. Still need to see it though. One day. Yeah. One day. Yeah. That's that's all the movies I saw. Cool. But that's not all you've been watching. No. I watched some television type programming. Alright. Let's get this out of the way. Voltron. Is it worth watching? Voltron's really good. Okay. So, this Voltron Legendary Defender is a Netflix exclusive. Yep. And it's made by people who made who worked on uh, Avatar and Last Airbender and is Ooh. animated by that team. So it looks fucking really good. Ooh. And it has really okay. good writing. Like it's just it's a high quality cartoon. Um there people on the internet are going fucking ape shit over it in a way that I only don't appreciate because I actually think the last Voltron cartoon, even though it had a, a clearly a budget of fucking dog shit comparatively and kind of looks bad, was actually pretty good and like well written and clever in a lot of ways. Okay. Uh, I I can't remember what the the name of it, the subtitle it, of that one was. Is this written in the same way? Like no, they're wise. They're they're very different shows. Okay. So that one that one was actually a straight sequel to the original Voltron show, weirdly, but then also focused on like new kids who were like sort of learning alongside with the uh, the original line people. But it had fucking the big gimmick was it would like do episodes where someone else got to form the head of Voltron. Okay. And so like having those characters who would like form Voltron countless times and then they like go, I'm forming the head. <laughs> fucking fucking really funny and great. And it like it's the way it did its villain was really good. Whereas I actually think the weakness of this new Voltron show is the villain so far is super boring. But the character writing in this is really good. Like I really like the characters. They did a lot of like Lance is voiced by um, Finn, the guy who voices Finn from Adventure Time. Okay, and he's like that the perfect fucking pe- like shitty character that I just love. Like he's just he's like, uh, I just really like him in terms of like, it's hard to describe, but he's he's the kind of piece of shit that you just that I just really like as a character. If I never watched the old cartoons, well, like... No, this has, like, no okay. connection to old Voltron. Okay, good, good. Need no, no connection to old Voltron. I think that's I just important. want to say a quick thing about old Voltron is that Voltron was one of those shows where they just wholesale created a 
a fresh thing for America, like by stripping footage from Japanese, a couple Japanese things. Yeah. Primarily Go Lion was what the Voltron thing came from. And I watched the first episode of Go Lion and Go Lion is fucking horrific. Like really fucking terrible. <laughs> it also opens with Go Lion trying to kill God. And yeah. Then okay. Punished by being split into separate lions. Yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> but it's also really fucking terrible. And like, I thought Voltron was kind of a bad show that like really gets by by having a kind of cool transformation sequence. But like, it's way better than fucking Go Lion is. It like looked good by comparison. But old Voltron fucking sucks. Like, don't watch old Voltron. You don't need to watch old Voltron for this new one. This new one's just a really good show. Cool. With good writing, good characters. It's just a quality thing, and it's like 13 episodes worth of material. Although, you know, it's not, it doesn't come to an end over those 13 episodes. It's just a first season. But it's a good, it's worth watching, definitely. Yeah, that's good to know. That's cool. So the important thing is that I watched all of Steven Universe. Yeah, I still actually have to catch up on the last. uh, So I also accidentally watched, I also watched one of the episodes that hasn't aired yet. Oh, because okay. I hit the internet, apparently. And um, when you did, did it spoil something? Like, if you told me, would I just be like, "Fuck"? I no, wish no, I no. It was, just, it was it was a silly episode. Okay, that's good. So, last time we talked about Steven Universe, uh, season, I guess three. I guess it would be now. It's now in season season three. Yeah. That hadn't even started up again yet. Yeah. So, and you had watched, I think, season one, or at least most of it. I hadn't even watched half of season one by then. Okay. But I had skipped ahead a bunch and watched clips of stuff. Yeah, that's really bad. Anyways. Um, I actually don't. Actually, that didn't bother me with this show. Because okay. I actually think um, the way the episodes are work are such small chunks that I've mm-hmm. never lost any context from spoiling stuff for myself. Mm-hmm. So I never, so it didn't really change my experience because I really don't care about spoilers. And for right. me, the experience wasn't affected at all by what all the, the looking ahead I did. It was just, I had gotten to those moments a little sooner than I would have. Right. It's just like, for me, that was a fine way to consume it. So now that you've seen all of it, what are your thoughts overall? I mean, that show is fucking great. Yeah. And I knew it, it was is. great, but it's yeah. it's really great. Like what hit me, I mean, again, I was spoiling stuff for myself. So like what I really wanted from that show were the songs. Yeah. Like from, from the beginning, I knew that was what I wanted because Rebecca Sugar worked on Adventure Time and she wrote the best songs in Adventure Time and wrote the best episodes of Adventure Time. Like I... From before Semen Universe existed, I really wanted the songs from that show. Sure. So I I basically ended up like consuming a bunch of those, and then that got me to the point where I like had the energy to then sit through the rest of the show and watch it straight through. Sure. Because those the songs are good and they're they're short and catchy and I like yep. listening to them. Like it was just a big, big rabbit hole and then going through. I also have once I went through I went and dived through their 
production Tumblr. Okay. Where they show like a bunch of keyframes of of their because the big thing about that sh- that show and it, Adventure Time is the same way is like a sort of history of Cartoon Networks cartoon cartoon shows type stuff is like they're they're made by the storyboarders where like uh, they're the storyboard artist they're two of them they work in tandem in t- t- pairs they're given a general plot of what has to happen in the episode and they write the episode by storyboarding the whole thing and then they later go in and write in dialogue and stuff for it hmm. so like the artists are empowered so like all the that all that and that makes it them all the creative energy in terms of visuals and stuff comes to that. Right. That's actually, that's like how all Cartoon Network's similar shows work. I just think the the writing in Steven Universe is better than say Uncle Grandpa, which is an abomination and I, I can't watch. Fucking hate. Oh my I couldn't God. watch that episode. I actually that episode, on that one episode actually made me super mad. <laughs> I was so that's, angry. I can't watch Uncle Grandpa. That is unwatchable. For me. I didn't know like when I was watching that because uh-huh. we don't have Cartoon Network here in Canada. Yeah. I didn't know that's an actual show. And when I found that out, I was like, you Americans are fucking retarded. <laughs> like, how is that yeah. on TV? I mean, I was, because I was originally watching Steven Universe as it was coming out. Yeah. But like at the first season and seeing commercials for Uncle Grandpa. I was, yeah. I was upset every time. It doesn't exist anymore, right? No, I think it still exists. What type of dumb people? Allow that. Yeah, to yeah it was definitely still exists because I I read about it getting renewed along with Steven Universe renewal. Why would it get four and five. renewed? What kids uh, are idiots? I hate kids. They're so <laughs> not smart enough to know good. <laughs> Fuck it's un- man. I mean, it's unwatchable. But uh, it is unwatchable garbage. I don't say that about a lot of stuff. It's actually unwatchable. Unwatchable. Anyways. Steven Universe is the opposite of unwatchable. It's I also found watchable. out how that crossover came about was an April Fool's joke where they presented fake storyboards that involved uh, the Uncle Grandpa crossover. And also Eddie, sh- like Amethyst turned into Eddie from Ed, Ed and Eddie because apparently that was like a really big influence on Rebecca Sugar as like an Weird. animator. Huh. Cool. And But then it, it turned into a thing. Yeah. Instead of just a dumb joke where it should have stayed. Yeah. It should have stayed. So now you have full context for everything. You saw yep. all of it. Does that make the songs better? Knowing like the lead ups to them and stuff? I can't say it really improves them because the the emotional context from the songs was already super clear to me. Sure. Like, Everything about those characters, I understood enough to know what they were singing about and why they were singing and why it was important. Like sure. I was, I was educated enough over the course of the, the the series run that I, I wasn't losing stuff in terms of when I was experiencing that stuff. I just hadn't seen the interconnected bits and jokes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so what do you think all, about that stuff then? That stuff's all good. Yeah. Like, I do think the show takes a while to get going. Yeah, and even when I was going through the production notes, like the part where they they said the show really started with the mirror episode, I'm sure it did. It because feels that, like it did. That has to do with when they were. I think that has to do with like how when they were renewed, uh-huh. and they knew they were going to get to make a shit ton of episodes. 
So they put the filler before. I I think by by that point they knew they were gonna get through season three. Okay. That early, that early, they they got to that point where the show was popular enough. But it's also that a lot of the early episodes are like the animator teams putting their own feel and getting their fingers into the show and learning the show and the show sort of like them coming together as a unit to figure out what the show was. Sure. Because like they the if you watch if you watch the pilot they made yeah 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 it's only it's short but yeah 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 so like you can tell like there's a lot of the stuff there but there's a bunch of stuff in terms of tone and jokiness of the show that wasn't there in that pilot and like the the style of animation wasn't there either Oh, for sure, yeah. So you you kind of you see all that stuff happening in the. It's kind of like episodes. the old Simpsons, and then like from the Tracy Ullman show. Yeah, and then like what it became. They're like kind of too detailed. They don't have that bounciness. That, yeah, like, they're not. They're not stylized yet. Like yeah. they're they're still uncomfortable with the style because they haven't said it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're 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 still sort of seem like characters conceived in drawing instead of yeah, animation. Yeah, for sure. I also saw the cool thing of um, there was a thing for the, it was for the the game, the mobile game they made. That game's part, good, by the way. And part of the notes they had for it were um, the team were like other things to like think of for how the like the spirit in which they wanted the characters. And it was like the bubble bobble characters and um not bubble uh fucking like Lu- uh yeah, bubble bobble characters, uh like Mar like this Japanese manga version of Mario, uh Astro Boy. Like like it was just cool seeing like what they what they were pointing to in terms of visual influences. Mm-hmm. There's also an episode like I think the very next episode I watched when I came back is when Garnet fights her uh sword fights her her like holographic version of herself. Yeah. And that opening that fight at the beginning of the episode literally is mostly comprised of them taking shots from my favorite anime Revolutionary Girl Utena. Like hmm. all the sword fighting like moments of that fight are basically stripped right out of that that anime which is was just a fun nerd thing for me like i That's knew that cool. happened but it was just it was it was good to finally see that i'd only seen a couple of gifs that that was in there hmm. so that was cool because that and that show was created by the 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 like one of the big uh writers and showrunners of uh, sailor moon which is clearly a huge influence on steven universe sure so what's your favorite like I guess what's your what's one of your favorite songs? I mean I really fucking stronger than you. It's fucking yeah. real fucking good. Um It's still I, the best song. So whatever. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um I hope it gets dethroned. I want better. Yeah. I really like how fucking the fucking steel and the crystal gems like I learned about so, like being myself by watching myself die. I just fucking like that line. The fucking animation on uh, what can I do? 
it's real fucking good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That song is 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 it's just kind of okay, but like the fucking animation on Rose Quartz is so good. Yeah, I love Rose Quartz. She's really good. I really oh so. Uh. Th- that song from the uh, Beach of Palooza episode. Haven't you noticed? I'm a star. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. Like the uh, the version that they play, like in the middle of the episode during the montage, is uh, that's like the the radio pop version of it. Yeah, it's sung by fucking Olivia Olsen, who plays Marceline on Adventure Time. Oh, really? <laughs> that, was, that was a neat thing. That's pretty good. Uh. I don't know. Today I was just listening to the there's a super recent one, Peace and Love on the Planet Earth. Mhm. Which is just a neat little tune. Yeah. The Lapis Lazuli think... The Lapis Lazuli song is really good but super short. Yeah, that's really good. Again, another super short one, the the little songs over the over the credits. Yeah, for sure. They're good. Are, those are and those are sung by Rebecca Sugar. Oh herself. really? Yeah, that's cool. That's her singing those. Yeah, the fucking, that's a great show. The full version of uh, "We Are the Crystal Gems" is really it's good. So fucking good. And I think the beginning part of that, uh, where Steven is singing, is it sounds because it, the, you can the big thing that I noticed when I was jumping ahead originally was how the. The voice for the Steven had cha- had like dropped. Yeah, and clearly his voice had changed, and I think the the audio from the the full version is actually old audio that was used in the pilot, because that's the same. Those are the same words he sings in the pilot version of that song. Yeah, it is. It sounded sure. like that same audio. Oh, the but same audio. It sounded the same hmm. because uh, he's it's in that shot. It's a younger Steven. And his voice sounds like it did then. So I think it's the same, but I can't. I can't confirm that. It sounds like they they put that in and then built the full full song on on top of that. Because the point of that thing is to show where the show had come from and where it had gotten to. Yeah, by the end. By yeah. Yeah. Because because they start that in the past in their it's old so, outfits, and then by the end they're in there. It's so good. It's so fucking good. It gets to the season two opening where they're in their new outfits. That stupid, just like guitar chord riff. Yeah. Like it's so good. (laughs) And by the end, it starts off so basic and then it turns into like a rock song. (laughs) It's so good. Yeah. There's a bunch of good uh, on the developer blog, like their crew Tumblr, rather. Yeah. There's a bunch of good uh, like art for like promotional. Like one of the teams of uh, storyboarders for like every episode they work on, they're they have like a promotional storyboard thing that like casts all the characters in a high school. All right, <laughs> with like Stephen as the fucking principal. Like I want to yeah, post one. In, that makes uh, sense. Find a good one. Vision of Chaos is saying I like Pearl songs. She has some good ones, for sure. Pearl says the most emotionally destructive things to Steven out of anyone. 
Sometimes. You know what I like about Pearl is that I hated her at the beginning of the show, uh-huh. but then, like, as you learn about her as a character and, like, why she's kind of, like, I mean, I'm just going to say it, like my aunt, like, uh-huh. uh, kind of uptight a little bit, yeah. but, like, not really, like, I don't know, it just makes more sense, and, like, I find it endearing as hell later on uh-huh. about her. It's still kind of annoying sometimes because she's kind of there to, like, stop Steven's fun or to be the serious one. But she but also like, makes some of the worst decisions. She, ha- she has some of the most deep-seated issues out of any character in that show. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, there's that. Yeah. So I dropped some of those those drawings I was talking about in a shitpost. In nice. Discord, if you look at it. What songs does she have besides Do It For Her? Oh, she has Strong in the Real Way as well. That yeah. one's pretty good. That one's pretty good. Yeah, that was a good episode. Yeah. I fucking... I really like... It's like the... I don't know. Are you... You're kind of behind, right? It's like one of the... The most recent one that aired is a really good episode. Yeah, I still have to catch up a little bit. Luckily, I think it's only like three. Yeah. They play baseball. Oh, wait. Maybe I have have seen that one. You saw the baseball one? That's the most recent one that aired, I think. Really? Yeah, they haven't aired in a while. On the 18th, they're going to air five. Like one a day. Oh. Yeah, in that case, I'm probably good. Yeah, with the bunch of rubies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I've seen one beyond that, but I don't think that episode's aired yet. That airs on the 18th. Doesn't count, then. Yep. That's above and beyond. But that baseball episode's real good. Yeah, it is. I love face. human name is just Bob. Yeah, it's really good, <laughs> for sure. The way she doesn't give a shit, it's real good. It's real good. I get so- do it for her stuck in my head, like, all the time. Yeah, it's yeah. I've had that a bunch of for a bunch of days. It's so good. I'm just gonna drop a bunch of other stuff. I also today like harvested a bunch of gifts off the internet of Steven nice. Universe. Who's your favorite crystal gem? Steven doesn't count. <sighs> Not that I think you would even choose him. I'm just saying. Probably Garnet. Yeah, I mean, that's quartz. the right answer. <laughs> well, Rose Quartz doesn't really exist because she is literally a gem in, in Steven now. But Yeah. You know, whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, Garnet is the yeah. best. I really... Man, when I started watching Steven Universe and, like, it hit me... Like, the point in that show hit me, and I was like, oh, I'm in now. Mm-hmm. It was around the time where, like, I had finished Undertale, so finding that, like, Megalovania <laughs> mix was uh-huh. just, like, the most mind-blowing thing for, like, weeks. <laughs> it was so good. Also, I put... The thing I just put in shitpost is the best thing. You put in shitpost. La Pizza Lazuli. That's Pizza so good. That's They're so coming good. in under 30 minutes, or it's or free. It's free. That's really good. 
For anybody who's wondering what we're talking about, shitpost is in the Discord, and if you're not part of the Discord, you should join it so you can see these dumb and amazing things. But yeah, that's really good. <laughs> yeah, those are all off there. Uh, it's like the Steven Kruniverse or something, I think they call it. Their developer blog. Blood for Tumblr, rather. Which Makes I think sense. Ag- aggregates stuff from the various uh, people who work on the show from their their own tumblers. Cool. But they also they showed like there's like a video of how they created the sound for the Wailing Stone, where they're just like Rebecca Sugar's just like holding a bunch of buttons on a <laughs> mixing board, while this other guy is like messing around with some pedals, like just over the 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 episode as it's playing, they're fiddling with it. It just seems like those those people have so much fun making that show, too. I'm sure. Especially since they don't seem to be constrained by time, where it's like, we need 30 episodes by the end of the month for the new season. They kind of just, like, do their own thing with the release, which is also annoying for me because I want more all the time, but whatever. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. fine. They also, like... They- so like after I think after they finished season one, they had a cake that was the handship. Like they make they do dumb food things, yeah. For, after production things and take pictures of that too. That's cool. I'm into that, as you know. God, that fucking cartoon Steven watches the crying fruit. It's so good. <laughs> There's so many good things in that show. Ah. Uh fucking butler show little butler we should totally just have like a podcast episode where we just gush about that show yeah yeah because we could do that all night yeah and that would give us a reason to move on we can do it later yeah exactly especially because you were saying that like in a week and some time, a week and a half, roughly, there's going to be more episodes. So, yeah, they're doing what they're for that week, doing one a day. Yeah, that's how they did the start of uh, season three, if I remember. Yeah, they call them Stephen Bombs. Yeah. Anyways, so also more- now that I finished Steven Universe, I'm like desperately like I want a new show to watch. Mm-hmm. Like my my I my uh. TV show watching muscles were not working for a long time. And even Voltron, that doesn't technically count because I watched that with a friend, which w- was a thing I could do. It was watching stuff on my own. So now that stuff is like working and I want something to watch and I have no idea what to watch instead of just watching clips of YouTube of Steven Universe songs. <laughs> also, I go get the raw versions that they release on their SoundClouds. They sound a bit better. Oh, like they have their own SoundCloud? Yeah. Yeah. Like every, like every storyboard artist, like anyone who works on a piece of the show that makes a fucking song, they put up the raw version on their SoundCloud, basically. Good. For the most That's part. That's good. Sometimes they only have the full recorded versions and stuff. Because sometimes the raw versions don't sound great because they're demos that they were working on. Sure. Like of the uh the weird one is um of fucking peace and love on the planet Earth. The raw version is is full of like numerical musical stuff. Like it goes it goes way deeper 
gonna be nerdier on spelling that stuff out of like the the form of the song that they simplified it for the actual version. Interesting to listen to. I like all that stuff. I like all that stuff. How much do you like Erased? Erased is solid. Erased is a solid anime. It's no Steven Universe, though. It's no Steven Universe. I don't actually even know what Erased is. So, so Erased is... So it's basically about a dude who can kind of has like the ability to go back in time like when he has like a near death experience basically. Okay. And like he's he's also a manga artist. His but he's like list he's like lazily drifting through life. But As most um, of them do, I'm sure. Yeah. But basically there was the basic premise of the show is at some point in when he was a kid, there were a series of murders where classmates of his were, and and then the girl were, when he was like in elementary school, were, were killed, and the killer was convicted. Was this per, this guy who taught him, like how to make paper airplanes, but he kind of always never thought that that guy had actually done it, and then one day while well, these adults like it sort of comes through that maybe someone else really had committed those murders. And there's various things that happened in the first episode that I watched the first episode a long time ago. So a lot of it, I don't remember. I really just watched like the second episode through the end recently. Mm-hmm. So there's some of the, the setup stuff. I don't remember But the, the thrust of it is he comes home one day and his mother has been murdered. And it's like set up so that he is now he is framed for his mother's murder also. So he's like totally fucked, but then his like power activates and he goes back in time to when he's an elementary school student. He's in, in his body as a, as like a eleven year old or whatever, and that's sort of how the show plays forward. Where he's like in he's in his he's gone back in time, but in his body as a small child and has to figure out the the serial killer case and how to stop it. Weird. And it does the thing of like the first time he goes, he, he like he runs through the back of like it's sort of like the video gamey thing of like he doesn't get the good ending the first time. Right. <laughs> he has to try again. Hmm. So, so it, it uh, it's a, a lot of it's kind of mystery, but it's, it's solid. And it's, it's definitely about actually fixing time. <laughs> it's not about. No messages about greater things. It's about, you know, it's mostly about solving a mystery, kind of, and then coming out on top. I mean, that's fine. There's it's other so animes solid. out there that are about cooking. Yep. Yep. So Race is, is super solid. It's a good, you know, mystery thing. Mystery time travel show. Cool. Solid. I'll rank it at some point when I get get up to it although i'm also thinking about writing a big thing about uh steven universe yeah i mean you should i'm also gonna yeah i think what i'm gonna write is about like the history of of cartoon network that resulted in something like steven universe being able to be created because i actually have a pretty straight line of big things that point to how that show like what led to that show getting 
greenlit and produced. Hmm. That'd be cool. And like, yeah, there are things that. Whatever. I, I'm going to write a thing. Okay. <laughs> I'll also probably write a little thing of Voltron at some point, but I don't know when. But yeah, Erase, Erase is solid. Like, if you like mystery stuff, if you like dumb, silly time travel stuff and just want a solid, not that long anime to watch, I recommend it. Cool. And also, season two of Food Wars just started, like last week. And that How show is, is still great. Okay. I mean, that show left off in the middle of a tournament, so it picks right back up where it left. Beautiful. And I'm just, I'm glad to get more of that. I think we're going to get like 12 more episodes. This Did it finish the tournament or no? Nah? I mean, it's the literally one episode is aired so far. Yeah. Like, did so they no. finish it in that episode or not? No, there's been okay. one. There was like one more cook off. There's one more okay. cooking battle, but there are a lot more to go. Cool. Glad to hear that's still a thing. That show is still exactly what it is. And it's great. Perfect. Glad to hear it. Yeah. I, on the other hand, am looking up prices for figures of Mito Ikumi from that show. <laughs> nice. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think that's it, right? Yeah. If we wanted to do any postmortem on the D&D we played. Oh, yeah. We could do that. Podcasts. Because we did that Curse of Strahd. We did do Curse of Strahd. We're not done it, though. No. Specifically, the Death House uh, prelude thing that you can download from the Wizards of the Coast site to kind of get people into the atmosphere and get, like, your players, honestly, up to level three, where they can start having a little bit more fun and take, like... Not take as many precautions, maybe, when they get into the actual campaign. They're a little bit ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, we're not done that yet. We are basically at the end, which is why it was kind of a bummer that we weren't able to get all the way to the end. But, I don't know, from my point of view, I like how it played out. But my point of view isn't too important because I knew all the beats that were going to happen. <laughs> so, what did you think? I mean, I had a lot of fun. I always have a lot of fun when we play D and D. For for me, it's just like uh, I don't have that many skills I can do as fucking right. paladin yet. Like, right. I want to level up so I can do more stuff. Especially as a paladin, you don't even get like your holy shit. I think until level two. Yeah. Is when it starts. Yeah, I got so I got nothing. It it's not until like level. Th- this is why, like, for fifth edition D and D. This is kind of why sometimes they have, like, a little segment thing that you can do before a big, like, uh, level 1 to 10 campaign. Mm -hmm. Because most classes don't get super fun until level 3. It's very much about killing hobos and rats until you level up, basically, in the early games. Yeah. Early levels, rather. So most so, of the fun yeah. for me in that first section was some of the, the roleplay stuff. Yeah. I the like weird the house shit. Yeah. Yeah, that shit's cool. Yeah. Um, some things happened. Yeah. I mean, if anybody wants to watch it, there are VODs of it. I think it was three hours worth 
or so. Yeah. Because we started a little bit late and had some technical difficulties at the beginning, but nothing, I mean, out of the ordinary for anybody who's played D&D or tabletop stuff before. Yeah. Some per- but, some poor decisions were made. But uh, uh, Yeah, a couple. It worked out. It worked out somehow. I don't yeah. know how, but some <laughs> of them worked out. Yeah. But yeah, it was fun. It was... Uh, the character I played, I don't like him quite as much as some of the other characters that roleplayed as, but I had fun. I still had a good time with him. He's no yeah. Joe the Barbarian. Paladins are a little hard to play, especially early game. They're re- they're actually kind of garbage early game in D&D, to be completely honest. They're just like a bad fighter. But, but you know, there's a point where that turns around for them. Yeah, and it's I, I mean, for me, it's just trying different stuff. Sure. So it's it's I'm learning. I'm just trying to get better at you know, role playing and doing that stuff. What you've played a few different classes now. What's been your favorite, like mechanically? Because the role play you can just kind of take into any character that you want. Hmm. Uh. Well, the thing is. <laughs> When I played the Barbarian, we yeah. barely fought anything. We role-played the shit out of that, and I That's true. didn't really even have a combat encounter. I didn't get to do anything with that character. <laughs> he had some cool stuff, but I didn't I didn't get to even try any of it. Yeah. Um, you also played a Sorcerer or Conjurer, whatever. I can't remember what exactly. Yeah, it was uh, a... Your Bard... Or my, yeah, the mage I played in, um, a fire mage I played in, fucking. Yeah. We're not soldiers. Again, he kind of just got fucking wrecked that last fight. So again, combat, I didn't get to do that much. So, I mean, I'm kind of going to say my bard by default. Sure. Which makes sense, considering there's like a few more hours worth of time. I've played a lot of him. Yeah. And I get to curse at people in battle. So that's cool. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yelling at people. I did kind of build him wrong where I should have a little bit more of a... Well, I built him entirely ranged just because of our party. Uh Uh-huh. But the way 4th edition bards work is really at your your early spells, you really want to pick one ranged and one melee because they're kind of functionally the same. Yeah. Like, they're not... Those skills aren't different enough to justify taking both of one. But I wanted to be full range because we had no other range in our party. Yeah. That was, that was, I, I kind of knew the, the choice I was making, but I mean, that's just, that was party. You're playing your bard correctly. Vicious mockery, vicious mockery, vicious mockery. It's kind of what they do. It's kind of what I do for a long time. Like heels and vicious mockery. Yeah. Yeah. I like Which is fine. I like healing. I like being able to heal. I would say. Sure. I agree. I unfortunately cannot heal myself as a paladin, but I do have uh that's why I also I chose a dwarf. Being able to use second wind as a minor is huge. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that is uh some tabletop talk. Yeah. We should play it again. 
I mean, we will for sure. Yeah. Tony and I were actually just talking about that tonight. Nice. Uh, getting people ready for August is when we're going to go again. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyways, that's a podcast. That's a podcast. These Miko Itumi, or Mito Ikumi, rather, uh, figures are a little too expensive for weird anime girl with giant tits. <laughs> a little too expensive. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Like, I think this might be the cheapest I found. It's PVC. 21 centimeters. How high is that? Trying to picture that in my head. Anyways, it's about... Like, let me put it this way. It's about like $120 a tit. That's, that's too much. It's too the, much. The, my most important anime figure I I have is I have the three penguins from our penguin drum. That's super important. It's, those were very important. Yeah. I still have to watch that. I want to, though, because it looks so adorable. That show is so fucking good. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that is a podcast. That's podcast. We did it. We did it. We talked about a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So, thank you for listening. Again, yes. I'm going to do the whole we're going to try to do be more regular, but I don't know, man. Shit comes up and then I forget also sometimes. I was that, super stoked you just said we should do podcasts and I didn't have to bug you at all. That was great. <laughs> Yeah, there's also that. <laughs> I feel bad. I I just feel like at some point I bug you too much and it gets like anxiety stuff because I know no stuff to just happen with me. So I feel bad about doing it too often sometimes when I know shit just happens. Yeah. And then there's another podcast you do as well. We don't talk about that here. It doesn't <laughs> exist. I mean, <laughs> the number of times we scheduled this for Friday you scheduled for Friday and then we're like all right TDP is Friday yeah I mean that kind of came out of nowhere that like TDP just became Fridays so that was my bad but shit happens then you die shit happens and then you die and then you listen next time an episode comes out so we'll see you then bye